Recorded live. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer and Money, uh, part of uh, the PWP Nation Network. I am your host, JCD, and it is Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, and we are... Ooh, ooh, excuse me. Um, and we are coming to you live from a very wintry and, bliss- and blistery Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Chris should be joining uh, the call soon. And, yeah, we're going to take it from there. And not a lot went on this week. I mean, there's some notable things based off, like, what we talked about last week as far as um, – we got an idea on a lot of people's futures and who's who may be signing where and, and, and stuff like that, but nothing like, oh, my God, look at this breaking news. So, you know, we're going to just keep it casual, see what comes up, uh, and go from there as far as um, what exactly we're going to talk about. We are going to touch on... Because I noticed a conversation on the PWP Nation Facebook page in connection to, after two weeks, the perception of 205 Live. And what I feel, and I'll wait for Chris to get on, I, I feel it was a tale, it's been a tale of two shows after two weeks. I feel the first week we got something and then I feel this past week we got something a little different, and especially in connection to Raw, um, that I think could actually be a good thing. Um, I don't know where Chris stands on it. I haven't really spoken uh, to Chris about this. So when we have this converse, uh when this comes up uh, shortly, we will actually be, you know, just delving into this actually for the first time on uh, both ends on it. So be interesting to see where uh, me and Chris stand on 205 and where that division could be going. Uh, a couple of small news bits, nothing major. Um, while I'm waiting for Chris to get on, the first thing we'll get into was obviously the big change for WWE this week was the lack of a pre-show for Raw and SmackDown, and and what it means for those involved uh, going forward. The word is, and there seems to be some confusion as to what the statuses are of Jerry Lawler and and Lita. Um, it was first universally reported that they were both under, they were both moved to Legends deals, which. Okay, that that's fine. I I I feel maybe Lawler after it's over twenty years. It's got to be twenty three years now, or twenty well, going on twenty four years with the company. I feel, and you could say what you will about him as a commentator, especially the recent years. I kind of feel Lawler deserves a little better than that. Um. But the word on Lawler is he's on, he was moved to a Legends deal, which he'll be brought in here and there for special appearances. Uh, I have seen that nothing has changed in regards to his status as the host of the WWE, um, the Hall of Fame 
WrestleMania weekend, so he is not losing that, um, which is good. But he's going to be popping around. I, I, I've seen on Twitter that he's already locked in to do a bunch of stuff in uh, Ireland and the U.K. They gobbled him up quickly, uh, to say the least. He got gobbled up for a lot of appearances. So if you're in uh, the U.K., I think I think Ireland... I can't say 100% yet, because I, I, I just don't remember. I don't think Germany's on there, but I'm sure that could change. Um, he's going to be doing a lot more appearances. My only fear with Lawler, and this goes back to the heart attack from, geez, that was four, four and a half, almost four and a half years ago already, is I hope he doesn't get too active in the ring, uh, you know, only because of fears of what could happen. I know... WWE put a stop to it, but I believe he's wrestled a, not many, but a handful of matches since then, and I I hate to be that guy, but I just feel with with something like that, sometimes you're, you're, you're playing with a ticking, a ticking time bomb that you really have no control over, so, uh, that's the story on Lawler, uh, the story on Leader is a little bit more unclear um, in the sense of there's going to be something that comes out with her eventually, I think. I don't. Leader's been given a Legends deal as well, and that's not the oh my god part of it. The oh my god part of it is she's been given a Legends deal, but is pretty much completely 100% gone from the company, um, she had, um, apparently reached out to Jim Ross some way or another, and that's where I saw the news on it, on her status, that, you know, even JR said he was wrong about what he had been saying, I guess, about what her status was and what her role would be going forward, that she was completely, he was told by her she she's completely gone. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with with her. I know she is. Um, already booked for the big event in Queens. I think it's in March. What it, what that is the big event? It is a huge monster. Um, pretty much convention autograph signing. And she's already booked for that, and I think she's booked for it under Amy Dumas. I don't even think she's booked under it as Lita. So something, this might be one of those things where in a couple weeks you get a backstory um, as far as maybe something happening um, in regards to her and, and maybe something happened backstage and they just decided that she would be gone. Uh, I, I thought she would be ideal to work this storyline with Asuka, you know, going through Legends. Um, and we'll touch on that, too. Um, she would have been... I thought she could have been 
maybe not this takeover coming up in San Antonio because I feel like there's a couple different ways they can go with Oscar for that, but maybe the WrestleMania one you could have you could have had her as maybe a little bit of a bigger name work with um what you call it with Oscar and Lita and building to that whole you know there's nobody to be Oscar um so there there that's What's going on with Lola and Lita? The pre-show is apparently completely done. I think we got like a 10-minute version of it on Monday. I I apologize. I don't even know if we did one on on um Tuesday for SmackDown. So it is very. Very interesting as far as where uh, Lita goes from there. Hello? Okay, I think we're having some technical problems. Uh, Hopefully those aren't too long. I'm going to actually take a second here and reach out to Chris, see um, where he's at. Uh, the other the other news um, of the week is Mickey James has signed a multi-year deal with the company. I know, I know it was speculated and a lot of people kind of expected it. Chris even touched on it uh, last week that... Uh, he had heard that she was down in Pittsburgh for a physical, which is where all of the uh, the physicals are done. She, so she has signed, and it looks like she will de- be debuting for SmackDown after the first of the year. So that would be a good boost. Uh, both Alexa and, and maybe uh, Becky can work with her. She could work with Nikki. Someone ha- – Someone had suggested it, and and damn it, my memory is complete garbage today. Someone had suggested that instead of having it be Carmella or Natalia be the ones that jumped Nikki at Survivor Series, you could actually have it be Mickey. Um, I don't think Mickey and the Bellas ever really worked against each other when they were both in the company. Uh, Even if they did, the, the version of Nikki Bella... 2008, 2009, 2010, before Mickey was released, is a lot different from the Nikki Bella that we have today. She's a lot better in ring. So that that would be an interesting match, interesting style. And if WWE really ever wanted to, there is history with Mickey James and John Cena, albeit supposedly short history, but there is history. So you could actually jump into a little bit of that to, you know, touch on maybe why Mickey would want to go after Nikki. It's, yeah, Mickey Nikki is a lot to say, especially when you're trying to say it fast. Uh, so there's that. So Mickey James will be back in the fold. Um, another, I'm 
not going to lie to you guys. I'm just trying to stall till Chris gets on so we can get into some stuff. Um, there is some there conflicting reports out there about some women the company may have signed. Um, I know there were reports, maybe I misunderstood it, that in January there was going to be a tryout and there was going to be a lot of, uh, it was going to be women-focused, especially with the rumored uh, tournament. I know uh, Heidi, Love, uh, Heidi Lovelace was one of the bigger names expected in for that. I saw something today that said those, that uh, a lot of the women were signed already. I'm trying to get clarification on that as to whether or not they've signed them or they're going to be the ones invited to the tryout. There's also going to be, which is going to be very interesting, I think, especially with the mode that WWE's in now, um, there's going to be a big male tryout in February. And they do this once a year, once every 18 months, where they bring in pretty much a who's who of talent from the indie scene. There was the, I mean, the famous one in, in 2013 that had Adam Cole, Mike Bennett, Sammy Callahan, Kalisto, a, a lot of big talent. Ricky Reyes was was there. A lot of big talent was at that tryout. Uh, that's where they got Sammy Callahan, um, and they got uh, Kalisto from from that from that tryout. I know Adam Cole was very close to signing. He ended up staying with ROH and pretty much got rewarded by getting the um, the ROH title, which I heard at the time may have played a role in him choosing to re-sign with Ring of Honor. Um, Mike Bennett was there. Um, yeah, and they, they do this from time to time where – they have these tryouts, and, you know, it's just, wow, the names. I know there was another one after that, and, and like I said, my mind is complete. Excuse me, my mind is complete garbage today. I think they had another one in late 2014, early 15. Um, and they're going to have another one in February. So, it would be interesting to see. I know Moose was at one. I think Rod, Roderick Strong was at one. Um, oh, Chris is on. Good. Hey, Chris, you there? Yeah, sorry about that. I just got no, in. No, it's okay. It's okay. I was having some issues with it, with, and I wasn't sure if, you know, I just wanted to make sure you weren't having a problem trying to get on or anything like that. So hmm. uh, I was just going over the uh, the two tryouts in January and February, the one in January for the women, the one in February, which is going to be a male superstar tryout. And I would imagine with the mode that they're in, uh, with grabbing talent, that's I think that's going to be a very interesting uh, list that's invited to that tryout. Um, uh, I haven't I haven't heard any my, names yet. From my understanding, I was told that uh, 
Cole's contract, Adam Cole's contract expires for Ring of Honor in uh, early 2017. April. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's that. Um, obviously, um, actually, I'll just, I actually had some, uh, some final battle notes, but I can save them for later. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll get, we'll get, to, we'll get into it for sure. Cause that, that was very interesting. A lot of things hinged on that show. Like we talked about last week and I definitely wanted to make a point to get back, circle back to that and where we are a week later from all the questions we had and what answers did we, did we get? You know, coming out of that show. But, yeah, Cole might be a guy who could be there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen reports that they're in full-on signing mode, which <laughs> lock up your talent, <laughs> basically, because they're, they're coming. Um, you know, so, yeah, so, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I know there were some reports that a lot of the women that were named for the – for the January tryout, might have already been signed. I can't get a clear clarification on that. Um, you know, so so we'll see where that goes. But they're, they're going to pick up a boatload of talent. And, and I, you know, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking of it the other day. I remember they held a conference call at some point. I want to say it was the early part of last year. And they said overall they'd be adding like 30 to 40 new talents. And everyone was like, oh, my God, that number is cr- crazy but when you really think about it assuming they don't add anybody else the last two and a half weeks of the year they're pretty much almost right on with that number <laughs> with everybody they've added over the last over the last year mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll, you know we'll see what happens with the um with the tryouts between january february uh the one good thing about the tryouts is those those lists get out as far as who was there. So, you know, there won't be any much speculation on it. You'll, you'll know either right after it happens or even right before who's invited. I was, I was just right before you get on, I was just trying to remember back. There was the one this year that had, what was that, Moose, Roderick, Roddy was in that. Mm. Uh, one person was, to look out for is uh, uh, next year. Uh, we'll probably see him quietly get in. He'll probably get lost in the shuffle, kind of like Aries. I would say look out for uh, King Cuerno. He's from uh, Lucha Underground, and uh, he tried to be part of the CWC, but I remember uh, Lucha basically kind of lost him. I don't mean to cut you off, but was he, he was the guy that that they wanted and he wanted, but because they have that that contract, that weird contract, he yeah. couldn't get in, right? Okay. Yeah, 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 he couldn't get in. Uh, he, he was kind of, when he was part of Lucha, he was part, he was pretty much like, um, he was like the number two kind of heel, sort of. He wasn't number one, he was like number two. His gimmick was cool, his gimmick was kind of like he was a hunter. So like, and, and, and his matches, like when the show first started, he was like feuding with Johnny Mundo. So like, you know, Johnny Mundo could have a match. And then he would just kind of like be in the balcony, kind of like how Sting used to be, kind of like stalking you. Okay. And, and then, like, you know, there'd be like a backstage segment or backstage vignette of them, someone preparing for a match or something. And then you would just have him, like, in the background just kind of stalking. He was kind of like a stalker, sort of. It sounds kind of corny, but he makes it work. It before sounds his... interesting, though. Yeah, yeah, right. And before his matches with whoever he's fighting, he'll, like, um, he would, he would, like, take a personal belonging of whoever he was shooting with and, like, kind of put it on the ring post, almost as if, like, 
a sacrifice or something like that. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was a hunter. He wasn't really. I mean, I oh. guess you could say he. I guess you could say he was a heel, but it really just depended on who he was hunting. Because what made his gimmick different in Lucha Underground was who he was hunting was indiscriminate. So he he, okay. he would hunt like a face or a heel, which kind of put him in a tweener sort of. But okay. um, anyway, he's a he's a good talent, and um, he he can actually speak English. He's one of the few guys in Lucha that could speak English. Um, he's got a good body. I remember when Lucha Underground, when they scored that uh, that segment on uh, ESPN, which was a big deal mm-hmm. for them. It was uh, it was Rey Mysterio, Johnny Mundo, um, El Patron, aka the Rio, and uh, King Cornell. So they could have they could have gotten anyone, and they got mm-hmm. him. And um, he was doing good for himself, but then what happened was just as Lucha got more popular, some of their other uh, characters were starting to get over. Uh, the two that stand out, obviously, are Pentagon Jr., now known as Pentagon Dark, and uh, the man they call Cage, also known as Brian Cage, or you can just call him Cage. Yeah, yeah so w- when those two got over, they didn't really have a place for him. And mm-hmm. I remember he had a feud with uh, Mil Mortez, and of course, Lucha Underground is a TV show. You got to remember, so people mm-hmm. get get killed off after that. And so uh, Neil Mertes killed him off. And sometimes what happens in Lucha, the advantage of being a luchador, is um, sometimes they just wrestle under a different mask, you know, and they just change their style to be a different person. So, but uh, after Neil Mertes killed him off, uh, he hasn't been seen since then. I don't read the Lucha Underground spoilers. Um, but like right now they're like halfway through season three, and he hasn't come back. So and I'll give Lucha I, credit. I'll give Lucha credit for one thing. I don't have El Rey, so I've never seen an episode. But no. I'll give Lucha credit about one thing. Those spoilers are damn near impossible to find. Yeah, they're really good with that. I really, don't lie really to you. I'm a I'm a spoiler guy. You tape, you know, you tape when they would tape SmackDown. I'd be there every Tuesday night looking, reading. You know what's going to happen. When they tape 75 episodes of Impact in, in one week, I'm trying to piece it all together. Lucha, I gave up on trying to find them because they're, yeah. they're not out there. <laughs> Pretty much to the listeners out there, I'll, I'll warn you, though, cause there is one way you can get spoiled, and I've fallen for this. A lot of folks have fallen for this. One time I wanted to get a picture of what the roster was like, so I just I just typed in the Wikipedia page, you know, because mm-hmm. if you go WWE or TNA's Wikipedia, you can get the roster. Well, when you type in Lucha Underground's Wikipedia, you see their roster, but you also see who the current champions are, which could spoil you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me the first time, so I was of like, all fuck. The, of all the ways. Yeah, Wikipedia, really, really strange. <laughs> yeah, Lucha's weird like that. You wouldn't expect to be spoiled. But uh, anyway, he tried to be part of the CWC, but um, they couldn't get him. But uh, I, I know WWE's interested in him because he's very tall, He's athletic. Uh, he has a vicious, a vicious uh, suicide dive, and I know that doesn't mean that much because the move is used that much. But yeah. when he when he does his suicide dive, he does it with like such velocity. Uh, what's that dude's name? He was in TNA. Um, he was in ECW too. Uh, the black dude, the one that used to do the pounce, Marcus oh, Corvallo. Yeah, Brown, Mounty yeah. Brown. Remember how Mounty Brown would like? Remember how he would like run crisscross before hitting you with the pounce yeah. to give himself? That's what that's what uh, King Cuerno does. He really? runs. Okay. He, yeah, he he does a crisscross run on the ropes 
and then does a suicide dive. According to him in the interview, when he does that, he gets like way more momentum, and I believe him. But uh, yeah. you got to see it. You got to see it for yourself. But he, he's got the most vicious. His suicide dive is even it's even more stiff than than Aries' suicide dive. Um, but also, he can speak English too, which is very good. Because, you know, in WWE, or not really just WWE, but in America in general, yeah, speaking you, you English, you, you need that. So, um, yeah, but he was one of the few dudes there that um, speaks, like, he's one of the few luchadors there that just speaks regular English. But he can yeah. also speak in um, in tongue, too. So what kind of made his promos different was he would kind of do, like, interlanguage promos. He, like he's he would, a bilingual he, on them. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So he'll nice. start his promo in like Spanish, but then like he'll just change it and like speak in English. So nice. if he was to be in, uh, if if they were to get him for a CWC like season two, I, I would see him making it very far, probably to the top eight, and then sometime after that they would sign him, and he 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 would be like a a solid like. Well, it depends because I don't know I don't know what their direction is for the division, and I don't think they we're know what their direction is either. But if they signed him, he he would probably be a very solid. Um, number two heel, or even possible number one heel, depending on what they're doing with the division. We'll, we'll see. But he's a very good talent, and uh, he kind of got lost in the shuffle. WWE wanted him really bad, and they couldn't get him. So when they couldn't get him, they got um, they got Grand Metalik. And at first, when they got Grand Metalik, most fans were kind of like, eh, because it was very apparent that the CWC was uh, was an attempt to kind of get the success because clearly they know that what Lucha Underground was doing was working. So when they got Grand Metalik at first, a lot of fans were kind of like, eh, because fans just wanted to see a Lucha Underground person. But right. to Grand Metalik's credit, he's actually very good. And I remember, like, as I was watching the CWC, he was the first person I saw. I think, he, yeah, he was in the first round. When I first saw him, I remember, like, as the tournament progressed, I was like, eh. But then as he had, like, as his matches continued, he started to grow on me with mm-hmm. each match. And I remember towards the end, I was like, you know what, if this guy won, I'd be okay with that. And I like his finisher, too. The finisher, the Metal League driver, is a very mm-hmm. uh, stiff-looking, believable finisher that could put away anybody. And I like how they protected that move the entire tournament. And he knocked out Saber with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, not to delve too much off topic with it, the next round of tournaments they do, if they do this women's one, and even if they do a second CWC, I would hope the one thing they learn from the CWC is if you have guys that you want to build the tournament around, make sure they're signed. Because when you look at, you know, you look at now, you look at Swan, and Swan's like the main guy in the you know, right now he's the champion. Swan lost early on. He lost very early in that tournament. And if they had known that, the, you know, three months later, Swan would be carrying the division, maybe not to the finals, but he would have been a final eight, final four guy for sure. You know, it was just, it was very weird seeing Sabri and Abushi lose. Yeah, we in talked the, about this yeah. in, 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 the, in the Facebook thing, and to listeners out there, I already got, I got the analogy as well. What, what happened here is, uh, is uh, you know, all these other dudes are Sega Dreamcasts, and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi were the, were the PS2s, and the people that don't understand the analogy in, like, mm-hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, the Dreamcast came out, 
and to Sega's credit, the Dreamcast was a was a really good console. It was a game changer. It had a lot of cool stuff that no other console had done at that point. But what happened was, unfortunately, Sega had made so many mistakes in the past that they completely alienated their fan base, and a lot of fans were so upset, you know, because they had, like, the Sega Genesis and then mm-hmm. the Sega 32X and then the Sega Saturn, and, like, they couldn't make up their mind on on where they wanted to go. <laughs> and while while Sega was doing that, Nintendo, they were just they were just kind of doing, oh, well, if it's not broke, why fix it, you know? So while Sega was just continually changing consoles every other year, Nintendo, they just stuck with Super Nintendo. They just they kept the course, yep. and then they went to N64. So Nintendo, they just stuck with what worked. So Nintendo, they kept their fan base alive. And so what happened was that even though the Dreamcast was a good system, by the time it came back, fans were pretty much like they didn't care or they didn't trust Sega, and instead they just wanted the PS2. And so what happened was the PS2 was so popular that when Christmas came, they had actually undershipped a lot of copies of PS2s. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of folks had reserved the copy, and they could not get one because there were not enough PS2s. And yep. so millions of people across the country were given a choice. They were they were either they they were told, you know what, okay, we, you bought a PS2, you can't, you know, we don't have it right now. So what we'll do is. You can keep your money, and we'll give you a PS2 like three months later, or you can pick up something else. So, so, so there are a lot of folks that chose to get nothing. They they chose to get nothing and instead waited to, for their PS2 two three months later. So they could have gotten a Dreamcast or an N64 or whatever else was available at that time. But they they loved PS2 mm-hmm. so much that they would rather have waited yep. three months with no Christmas gift at all if it meant that they would get their PS2 later. That was how much, like, the PS2 just outshined mm-hmm. I, everything I worked, back then. I worked for The Wiz when the PS2 came out, and to explain what it is, it was it was kind of along the lines of, like, your Circuit City. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Before Best Buy was Best Buy, I, I, was, I was the warehouse manager there. And, yeah, I – yeah, you're 100% right with the PS2 thing. I got lucky because – I was the guy who unloaded them off the truck, so obviously I was getting one. Right, first right. Day. <laughs> but yeah, we, yeah, like, and and I remember we were told we were getting like twenty five. We I think we got ten. You know, oh, man, but but yeah, but not not to reimburse back into video game hell. But I, I definitely get the analogy. You know, you're going right. with because everybody because what happened was when they messed they messed up because like the the first guy announced for it was Ibushi and yeah. then and then like Sabre Jr. He, he was like he was like the first five that were they announced. should have known with uh, you know what I can give them a little bit of a pass with Ibushi but Sabre from even the start seemed that this was not guaranteed to happen with Ibushi I can understand because he was in the crowd at Dallas and everyone thought okay he's in the right. crowd you know, he's hanging around. Sa- Saber, I'm not mad at because I'm we not still mad at Saber got, either. We, we still got Zach Gallagher, who, in my opinion, is actually better. But that's a different story altogether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the, the, it's just it's just hard because you had announced them from the beginning, and then <clears throat> that was you know so like so that was those two were the ones from the very beginning. Those right. two were expected to go to the end, and then you kind of eliminated them. Very early, and and so what happened? The, the well, main no, you issue. Well, eliminated them in the semis. In the that semis, a, 
that would have been okay. If they would have realized, even if with just one of them, even with just Sabre, and I'm not hating on Sabre, but like I said, Sabre seems like the one who is not going to show up anytime soon. No, he's not. He's he's you, very comfortable. You got to book him D&D. out. You know, if if let's say, and, and I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. Let's say you knew you wanted to make Kendrick a piece of a real big piece of this division. Mm-hmm. Even if you do it in the Sweet Sixteen, have Kendrick beat Saber. Have Kendrick be able to say that. You right. Know? You know, they need or, to when they do their season two. They need to. Whoever is there, they need to fully invest and in, in, um they need to analyze the person's schedule and what, see yeah, they and need see, to you know, if have they're gonna an be idea. willing. Okay, right. the tournament ends September first. Who's gonna be here September second? Right, because the main issue with the C W C to a lot of casual fans is you know, and again, like, you know, I'll give them credit because when Grand Metal League started, you know, at first a lot of fans were lukewarm. Because it was very clear that, okay, this guy's a stand-in for a Lucha Underground mm-hmm. talent that couldn't be there. But then as time went on, he actually um, became one of the fan favorites. And, hey, hey, listen, and, guys are going to break out on this thing that you don't expect, like a Cedric Alexander, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that. Even Kendrick getting the recognition and, you know, getting as over as he did for a guy that was gone for seven years. That stuff's going to happen. And But you know what? Instead of looking at that as, okay, great, this is what we're going to build our division around now, just look at that stuff as gravy, you know, like, mm. okay, we got two extra guys out of it. Right, you know, but the big issue really is that the biggest names and, and some of the most overdudes are not part of the, of the division. And so yeah. the division you do get is mostly full of guys from, like, the top 16, the top 8, which is fine. But it's not like we're the big guns. What it kind of reminds me of, it reminds me to a lesser extent of the invasion angle when they, when they, when Vince blew his load too early. If, oh, I, yeah. if they, if they had just waited, if Vince had just yep. waited one more year, the invasion angle would have been better because if you yeah. had waited a year, you would have had NWO, you would have had Flair, and hell, if yep. you had even waited a little bit longer, you would have even had Goldberg. Yep. You know, so it's like they blew their load a little too early. And so it's like when they did do the invasion, you had WCW guys, but you didn't have, like, the top guys that fans mm-hmm. were expecting. I mean, all, the top, the, the most overdues you had were Booker T. And DDP. DD, DDP. And you and, needed and, to incorporate ECW. Right. You know, to, get to, to Van Dam. Yeah, Van Dam, just, just those three. Everybody else, and I mean this with respect, everybody else were just kind of no, like. They were treated like, eh. You know, right. Mike Awesome should have been a way bigger deal than what he was. Right, you know, you know. Even, you know, Lance Storm, just incredible. You know, Tommy Dreamer, um, you know, Canyon even. You know, yeah, they, they, they you know, yeah, we, we, we don't have enough time left in this year to go over. Yeah. And you and I have done it. You and I have done it. <laughs> we, we did it previously like what was wrong with that yeah my friend tech he keeps telling me like he was like dude you gotta like he keeps telling me like give angle austin a chance because he told me that they had really good matches they and did. i was like but, and i was like i don't deny they didn't but i just can't touch anything from the invasion era <laughs> i just can't no angle I, and austin to their credit put on 
phenomenal matches. They did. Not your friend tech is one thousand percent right. And even the story behind them were were fine. You know what? They delved into although it was a big reach, they delved into Austin's history with ECW. They delved into Austin's history with WCW and they delved into the resentment between Austin and The Rock. The Austin turn to the alliance is not as bad as it has gotten killed for. The problem with Austin going to the alliance was it wasn't just Austin that had to go to the alliance. It was basically, except for X Factor, every single heel ended up in the alliance. That was problem. That was besides the big stars missing. That was the second biggest problem. The third biggest problem was when you had just really established Angle as a serious, legit guy. Even though you hot potatoed the title between him and Austin, and even hot potatoed the WCW t- with Angle and Booker and Rocky, when you had established Angle, you flipped him to the Alliance, which made no sense whatsoever. And I know they tried to spin it with, oh, he was a spy for Vince. My my memory is uh, rusty. Where were the radicals during this? Eddie was fired. Benoit was injured. Malenko was floating around. And Malenko was actually starting to transition into an agent. And Saturn was doing the moppy angle. Jeez, no wonder this yeah. was bad. They yeah. could have really played an important oh, role. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I could have seen. Yeah. I could have seen like Even an entire storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I could have seen an entire story revolving around them because yep. they left. So, you know, I could have. You could have did a story of like both sides trying to recruit them. Yep. Wow. Oh no, WCW. Man. No, no, no. You know, we just tried to leave there. No, but this is a new day. But then you could have Heyman, but look at how good I treated you guys in ECW, you know. Right. And then you could have WWE, like, listen, That's we took you in. That's storytelling right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, yeah that. If you, if you did that, there's a good possibility that uh, that Eddie and, and Chris um, could have, not necessarily become main eventers quicker, but they could have gotten a world title opportunity a lot earlier with that kind of storyline. You know, yeah. like, hey, if you join us, if you join us, we'll give you this, this, or yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think Triple H being there would have changed that much. I think it would have been pretty clear he would have been uh, Team WWF. It probably would have been a de facto face turn by uh, the. That was coming. That was that right. was the other thing too. Everyone forgets Hunter was being positioned to turn face and feud with Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was the other thing too. That you know that was being set up for Hunter to finally get that world title win off of Austin, and then Hunter, unfortunately, what you call it, blew his, he blew blew his, his knee out. But that's where, that's where that was all headed. That was headed, SummerSlam was going to be Austin-Hunter. But uh, about what you were saying earlier, uh, Rich Swan's just likable. A lot of kids like him. He's kind of similar. He's basically like a smaller Kofi Kingston, kind of. And uh, he's just likable and stuff like that. And... Uh, uh, the last thing I'll say in the cruiserweights was, uh, man, I was joking about this with Aaron yesterday, man. I was watching 205 yesterday, and I, like, legit fell asleep three times. The show was so boring. 
if you want to nap, if, you, if anybody wants to nap and you can't find a way to go to sleep, check out 205. So here's Hi. this, man. So here's this kid that Aaron and I, because Aaron and I, we always, like, disagree, but we're, like, totally 100% on the same page. Noam Dar, holy shit, man. This kid wrestled one of the most boring matches I've seen all fucking year. So he's wrestling Cedric, and he spends – the match is, like, like 13 minutes. It, it went way longer than it should have. And he's spending, like, 10 minutes of the match working on Cedric's arm. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You didn't, you didn't do that in any of your other matches, but, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. He's working on Cedric's arm, arm bar, arm submissions, uh, arm against the ropes, arm against the steel bar. I mean, he's just doing some old school, like, you know, like working on body parts. Oh, yeah, working on the body part. I'm like, okay, cool. So he's working on Cedric's arm for like 10 whole minutes, and this went on forever. I am not exaggerating. Like the opening sequence of the match was Cedric trying to get out of the arm bar, and he just wouldn't let go of it. This went on literally for like, Way longer than it should have. Like it was like like four. The opening seg- segment was like four minutes of of him trying to escape the arm. Like I thought I was watching a UFC fight for a second. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. So after working on his arm for ten minutes, he finally wins with a kick to the head. What? Yeah. What What was that? And then and then to make it worse, when he's doing his stuff, right? Like when he's doing his moves. And when he, like, whether it's a submission or whether he's just doing strikes, he has, like, this weird look on his face, almost like he's trying to imitate Nakamura. You know how Nakamura does the weird mm-hmm. facial expressions? And, and not just not, it's not just a Nakamura thing. A lot of Japanese right. talents do it. Naito does it. Okada does it sometimes. You know, it works for them. It, it works for them. And I'm not just saying that, uh, you, know, to, you know, as a racist statement, but no, a lot of these Japanese works. dudes... Right, it works, and, it and works. since and since a lot of Japanese dudes of can't speak, it's, it's a part of the it's part of the right. style. It's part, it's of, part of their style. What I and can't it helps. translate to you verbally, I'll translate to you with body language. Right, it works for them. So like he's doing these weird facial expressions, and it's it's not working, and and, and then he does this thing where he, he like kisses his hand, and it's just like it's like what. Like, just nothing worked at all. Like, I, I tried, man. I tried so hard, and I'm like, this is not working, period. And I know it's not Cedric, because I've seen him have good matches with, like, I've seen him have matches of Zack Sabre Jr. in the Indies before. Matter of fact, they had, like, a match, like, uh, I think it was, like, a match in PWG about, like, a week before the CWC started. And it was a really good match. So I know that it's not that Cedric didn't yeah, know no, how to work that Cedric style. It was it was just a Noam Dark kid. I'm like that, it was it was the most tacky, like of all the cruiserweight style matches, like you know in WCW, ECW, TNA, New Japan, Ring of Honor. It was easily the most tacky cruiserweight match I've ever seen. When you work you on, you know what Dar arm, has. I'll be honest with you with what Dar has. Dar has a style. And this is where I think Dar's gonna might have a problem here. He's got a style that caters to like marky European crowds, right? And I, and I don't mean that in a, like I'm not trying to shit on a crowd, but that's basically what it is. Oh, it, I, I agree with you. You know, it's it's that it's those almost like those soccer European soccer fans, right? That it's go becoming to the a thing. Show and it. it that's his style, and that's fine. That that that's his style. That that's fine. 
But what someone's going to have to work with him on is, okay, that may work in bigger cities. Like, that may work in a Philadelphia, a New York, a Chicago, an L.A., but we have to work on a style that works for you when we're in Columbus, Ohio, when we're in, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like, because those crowds, that stuff's not going to translate. And it's, it's just, not. you know, that's... And I've seen it before. Like, it's becoming a new thing. Yeah. Like, the, 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 Europe, the Europe thing is growing. Like, another guy who apparently is really popular, like, in Europe, and he's really popular in the Indies, and... I don't want to dismiss him completely because if if that many people give him rave reviews, he must be good. But currently, he's in TNA and he hasn't really shown me anything. Is that Grado dude? I've been told by many people. Oh, Grado's a character. That, yeah, I've been told by many people that Grado is he's, he's very good, like in Europe and when they do those indie shows there. But for some reason in America, and it's not just a TNA thing because he's worked like he's mm-hmm. worked like PWG. He's worked other. American independence, but when he shows up in America, like, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. He comes off, like, as a fat Santino, and not even as funny as Santino. Uh, Another guy, and, you know, I I got some shade for this, um, is Zack Sabre Jr. I I don't think his style translates very well to American audiences either. I think that Jack Gallagher does everything that he does, but in a way that... I'll tell you mistake with Sabre, and I Mm -hmm. haven't seen him enough in the indies to know if that's what they do. But I feel, and, and sometimes it's the little things, that little collar flip with the jacket, mm-hmm. that's a douchey heel to me. That's an overconfident, cocky, douchey little heel. You know, that's not, you know, a clean-cut baby face, you know, who happens to maybe be one of the best pure wrestlers on the planet. And I think part of the problem to me, and I, like I said, I haven't seen him in any other indies. I, what I've seen of Sabre, I've seen on the CWC, and like maybe one match that I YouTube just to get an idea, like is he as good as they say he is. He, he should be a massive douchebag heel. His style is basically, um, like Daniel Bryan said, his style is counter-wrestling. So mm-hmm. he's not, he's because to me what happened, and, and this is the truth of it, and this is where I'm really going to like give, throw some shade. The truth is, I mean this with all respect, a lot of you UK fans just overrate <laughs> the UK guys a little bit. You guys put them on this pedestal, and you say that they're so good. And they are good, but they're not as good as the UK fans make them out to be. And I feel like a lot of times the U.K. fans want their guy to be successful just so they can be like the first U.K. WWE mm-hmm. champion. And, and I get that. I get that. Maybe the British Bulldogs should have been champion. I don't know. That was before my time. It will happen someday. I, don't, I, I truly believe it will. But I feel like a lot of the U.K. fans. Yeah, they just should have, yes. I just feel like a lot of the U.K. fans, they – they overrate their dudes, and they want them to succeed mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, when I first heard about Zack Sabre Jr., a lot of folks were comparing him to, like, Dean Malenko, and I was like, really? Let me watch his matches. Like, he's not... Malenko was a serious dude, yeah. He had a lot of uh, submission holes, but, hey, man, I grew up watching Malenko. Malenko mm-hmm. had a lot of pop moves, too, like the superplex, the, the mm-hmm. top rope, gory, uh, gory buster, gory bu- yeah. the, 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 the leg lariat. Uh, he would do... Malenko did a lot of, like, 
crowd popping moves, like moves yeah. that would make the crowd stand up. Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't do that. Like his no. all, if you notice in every single CWC match he had, he kept the, in the ring like ninety five percent of the match. There are no mm-hmm. crowd popping moves that he did. Everything he did was a counter, a submission, or like uh, a, a reversal into a counter or something. Yep. And so when I was watching his matches, I was like, this dude is nothing like. Like Dean Malenko, I mean, he's got the seriousness down, but I just I, I I don't I don't see it with him as a face. Like I said, maybe it's just that little thing that that little collar pop. It's just like no, like you know, that's not it's not working. And I here here's the problem too, and here's here's the problem. You've got guys. You've got crowds that unfortunately have turned into spot monkey crowds. You you do here. In other places, they don't need that. They don't need that. Mm. You know, they'll sit there and they'll watch you get out of a cross toe hold, you know, for 17 minutes and then pop a kick or a suplex or an arm bar and get the win, and they'll love it. Here, you'll get, oh, that style sucks. I need, you know, suicide dives, moonsaults, armbar, superkick, 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 armbar, superkick, 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 <laughs> and we'll get to yeah. them soon enough. And I yeah. think that's the problem where, you know, when you get, and, you know, the U.K. especially – they're kind of a mix as far as what can work with them. So you get the UK guys that love that style where it's, like I said, it's 17 minutes of counters, counters, and on bar out of nowhere for a submission. And they're going to make it out that the guy that does that is the greatest thing in the world ever. Yeah, well, if if Dar wants to make it, he needs to – someone needs to sit – like, I'm not the kind of person – because, like, normally when I see someone – have a bad match in any company, I'm like, they'll improve. When I saw that Dara match, that's, that was one of the few, because it takes that's a not, lot to, to get to me. That's not ring work. That's style. Yeah. Uh, after I saw that match of Dar, I was like, someone needs to have a talk with this dude. Triple H, Brian, Regal, Aries, fucking somebody needs to sit yep. down and just be like, look, dude, that shit's not fucking working here. Because if he works like that, he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. By this time next year, and I mean that was that was one of the worst matches I've ever seen, and I feel so bad because Cedric had to take the pinfall for it because he's the new well, yeah, he, he's the new guy, you know. So I know that he's good friends with Finn Balor, and since Finn likes Triple H and Triple H likes Finn, Finn probably was like, you know, hey Hunter, can you do me a favor, give my friend a job? Okay, Finn, I'm pretty sure that's why he got it. I can literally think of like 25 people all over the world that are better workers than Dar. Mm-hmm. I would I would take my chances on the TNA X division than I would over Dar. And the TNA X division has a lot of good guys. It's got Brody Lee, it's got DJ Z, um mm-hmm. it's got uh, a lot of dudes there. Um but that match was it was it was bad. I hope that someone just has a serious sit down. But anyway, that boring show aside, there was one good part which I I thought was kind of <laughs> unintentional and uh it was kind of funny was I liked it when um when uh, Aries was on commentary, and then uh, TJP was throwing shade, and uh, he was like, 
what did what did TJP say? TJP said something like, "We had 32 of the best cruiserweights in the world. Like, where were you, Aries? Where were you? Like, no one cares about you." And then, as he was saying that, the fans were chanting, "Austin Aries." <laughs> Aries, is, man, Aries is great. <laughs> and, and Aries is like, "You hear that, TJ? You hear that, TJ?" I'm like, "This is fucking awkward as shit." So I'm like, so uh, I'm just kind of like Aries. He's just kind of giving me. He's giving me like a punk vibe, kind of like when punk was hurt, like in uh, late 2010, mm-hmm. early 2011, like when punk literally didn't have anything to do. And I remember he was doing commentary on NXT. Yep. He was doing commentary on Raw. You can just tell yep. punk like just didn't, he, he didn't care. He was like, I'll just have fun with this. Let me see how far it goes. Let me use this to my advantage. And I can totally yeah. see that's what Aries is doing. And, uh, oh, yeah. Some, yeah. Some of the stuff Aries says is really funny. Like, I'm only wearing sunglasses because of, uh, what did he say? He said he was wearing sunglasses because, uh, I think he said, like, oh, the, the Jack Gallagher dude. He said he was wearing sunglasses because his skin was too bright. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. You can tell yeah. Aries is just having fun. So if I watch the show. Jack Gallagher line was great. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was you take, great. What do you say? Like, you take a leg out from somebody and they're, and they're done for unless they're Zach Gallon? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So I think going forward, I'm, if I watch 205, I'm just going to listen to Aries' commentary and just kind of, like, go autopilot on the matches because I notice, like, Aries is actually pretty funny on commentary. So if oh, I just yeah. listen to him, it might make the show uh, watchable. And but, it's uh, building. It, it, it's, it's building. This is a great way to use him. Um, you know, until that orbital bone heals and he can, you know, he can pop up in the division. You know, I mean, it's I mean, there'll be a lot of good matches. I mean, and, and yeah, being serious, there'll be a lot of good matches. It's not a spoiler now. It's not a spoiler now because Regal announced it. But, like, if he was still, if or Aries was still going to be in NXT, Regal announced they're going to do these uh, matches to build to a new number one contender. When you look at what the matchups are, and and without spoiling anything, you know they they are some good matchups. But mm. Aries would be a notable guy missing from this. And even though he's injured, and you know he's injured, it still would be like, ah, oh, you could. I think there's one more taping before San Antonio. You're gonna look at it and be like, oh, you couldn't you couldn't wait, you know, to do this, you know, till the the taping of the first taping of the new year, like, so you know, and I, I you know. I talked so to Jay about it. And, um, it. His, his prediction, um, Jay's prediction, is that he thinks that um, they're going to fast track Aries once he's healed, and he'll beat whoever the cruiserweight champion is. Um, yeah. He'll walk into Mania as cruiserweight champion. He'll. I don't know if he'll walk who, into it. I, but he'll, 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 walk he'll, out, either, he'll walk he'll, out of it as champion because right. I have. I, I I don't know if you saw it. I I did a. Complete batshit crazy WrestleMania three preview WrestleMania thirty three preview card this week that they mm. posted, and I have instead of the IC title ladder match or the US title ladder match, I actually have the cruiserweight title in that multi man car wreck match, and mm. I say it clear as day, I don't know who the champion will be going in, but Austin Aries will take right. yeah. Yeah, and we'll then Jay clowned. predicts after that that um, the post-Mania Raw or whatever, Aries would just be like, you know, I'm the greatest man that ever lived, blah, blah, blah. No one can beat me. Open challenge. Someone come out here right now. And then that's how Kenta shows up as a way to reignite their feud from NXT that never really oh, finished. I like that. Yeah, I like right, that. You know? So then you could have Kenta and uh, Aries feuding over the title. So, I, I mean, like hey, that. If, if, it, if it gets them on the main roster, then yeah, it gets them on the main roster. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I know. And then, you know, and then you know what? Aries, especially Aries, maybe not, maybe not Kenta, mm. 
mm. right away. But Aries, once you take the title off Aries, you could start. He could probably be the first guy to transition into something else. Right, I'd have him work against other people. It, right. it will work with him. You could do Aries against Sami Zayn. You could do Aries yeah. against Rollins. You could do Aries yeah. against like. Yeah, you could Owens. have Aries be like, you know. Yeah. You know, say something. Heck, you could even have Aries go up to whoever the U.S. champ is, not Roman, and be right. like, oh, you think your title's better than mine? Well, you know what? I'll see you out there, you know, mm-hmm. in a little bit. And you could have Aries be like that first guy. Like, It'll work with him. It won't seem awkward you or doing? tacky. You know, like, you could even have Aries be the guy that'd be like, well, who says I only have to work with these five guys? You know, mm-hmm. why can't I go after him? Or why can't I challenge him? Or, you know what, he looked at me the wrong way in the locker room. Why can't I face him? Why do I only have to face, you know, T.J. Perkins, you know, or Rich Swan? you know? Yeah, Aries could be that guy to do that. Um, yeah, that's that's what you're called. That's definitely Aries. I, I, I like that. And that and that added twist with Ibushi is... Is 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 cool. I didn't I didn't know Jay had that. That that's that's a cool little twist there. To be honest, I like that. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll it'll be good. And I um, like that. Going forward, I, the only thing I rec- the only thing I ask for is I don't know I don't know who he pissed off. I don't know what's going on. I know he's 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 not hurt. Um, I don't know why Neville suddenly can't get TV time. Yeah. I know he's in cruiserweight uh, range. I think he's like uh. 207, 208, so he could easily drop the three pounds. Unless, 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 he, unless he's hurt, maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, Neville's... Last I, don't I heard, he's, yeah. he's healed. He's not hurt. They're just he's, not using him. They're just something. not using him. I know. There's, yeah. a, there's a certain amount of guys that aren't being used. Like, I know Apollo Crews, he's not being used. He's not hurt. Um, I've Neville, heard he's, something. I've heard something on Crews, though, which mm-hmm. I think if they do, it would work. And I think we talked about it either last week or we, I talked about it on Nate's show. They might be gearing up to turn him. Good. That'll work for him. Yeah. I think they're gearing him up to maybe turn him. And, you know, they're, they're going to kind of like re repackage him a little and, and redevelop him. And you know what? He needs that. Good. That'll, that'll work for that. him. I think uh, Neville will be very good in the Cruiserweight division. I think if, oh, yeah. if, they've, I think if they put him in the division, um, I, I, he, he would remind me very much of uh, – of uh, Juventu Guerrera, a.k.a. Hoobie Juice, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the long hair, pretty boy face, just doing the crazy moves. Uh, it will work for him. So um, I, I still have some uh, final battle notes. Did you want me to go over that a little bit? Well, I, I just I wanted to just touch on the the 205 with you real okay. quick. I, I It's been two shows, and, and I get what you're saying where this week was just brutal. But I, I kind of feel, and I don't know which way I stand on it, I feel the first week was, okay, we're just going to bring out, um, you know, the Cruiserweights, and then we're going to top it off. We'll bring out a bunch of guys, and then we'll top it off with Swan and, um, and Kendrick. This week, I feel like there was a little more storytelling with it and I don't I don't know where I I don't know what I want 205 to be if that makes any sense I don't know if I want it to be do I want it to be just three matches of cruiserweights against each other or do I want stories like 
Cedric and Dar, as as bad as it was, they put this added thing at the end where Dar was like, "Oh, I I dedicate this win to Alicia Fox." Fox and Cedric, they have them kind of as a thing, you know. So where's that going? Davari and Gallagher was actually pick up from Raw. And then besides the fact that Kendrick and Swan rematch for the title, there was this added dimension of TJP, who is going to make a great, cocky, douchey heel, you know, into it. Like, I don't know what I want my show to be. And oh, I, I, you, you already know how I feel about this. This is going to flop at the end of the day, unfortunately. So. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, what I would have done to sound positive, is the Cruiserweight division, first of all, it would have been an NXT exclusive. Um, the mainstream does not appreciate, nor do they want Cruiserweights because they chant stuff during their matches. They don't do that for any other match. They they even don't chant stuff during matches with like, you know, Titus, Goldust, uh, the Shining Stars, but mm. they, they consistently chant stuff. The mainstream does not appreciate or have interest for um, the cruiserweights. So what I would have did is, firstly, I would have did the CWC thing. That was fine. Then I would have made the cruiserweight division an exclusive to NXT. Then this 205 thing would have been in full sale or wherever NXT was taping at. And then I would have had the NXT cruiserweight guys. They would, it, they would be there for NXT. And then... After a certain point in time, they would just kind of very quietly be added into the mix of the regular NXT talents, if that makes sense. And then after that, they could just get the call-up to the main roster. But I would have kept it exclusively as like a, as an NXT thing, you know. And then I would have just had them just work with each other and then work with other NXT talents, like, you know, a Joe, a Root, a Nakamura, or like whoever. And then after that, they would have just gotten a call-up. The one thing that TNA did right with the X Division is they would have their X Division talents, like AJ, um, Joe, Daniels, Aries, Saban, Shelley. They would have them as X Division dudes, but then when they were transitioned into, like, main eventer guys, they did it in a transition where, like, it was smooth and, like, no one ever questioned anything. So when you saw AJ as X Division champion and then all of a sudden he's challenging for, like, the NWA title or the TNA title, like, no one said, oh, that's weird. You know, like, they just Mm -hmm. made it work. Ring of Honor is also good at doing that. They were able to take guys like Lethal, guys like Cole, um, guys like uh, um, Kyle O'Reilly. They were able to get dudes that are like in a tag team or dudes that are viewed as kind of like cruiserweight style, kind of like ACH where they're like kind of like in TV title level. And then you build them up to a point where suddenly they're challenging for the Ring of Honor title and they do it like in a way where like no one questions the transition. And not trying to throw shade at WWE, that's always kind of been their big weakness with the cruiserweight. That, they've yeah. never really been they've never been able to, to do that transition that process. That might be why Aries might be the perfect guy for this. Yeah. Yeah, they they need to. I don't and I don't know if it's a Vince thing or what, but that's always been their big issue. I know that um I know that like WWF's cruiserweight division back in the day was kind of you know ass compared to WCW's anyway. But 
I still to this day defend Taka Mishinoku. He was really over. The fans Taka really was. liked him. Taka and, was. Right. You could have easily, easily transitioned Taka into an intercontinental title level guy at that point. You could have gotten Taka. Think of the matches you could have had. I'm not saying Taka should have been WWF champion, but you could have did Taka versus D'Lo. You could have did Taka versus Angle. You could have, you could have did Taka versus X-Pac. Like, Taka could have gone much, much further than he did, and they just did not know. It was like the thought never transitioned to them. It never occurred to them, hey, instead of having him work with Cruiserweight guys, why not have him work with Angle for one night or, you know, have him work with – you know, like, uh, you know, just whoever, like Benoit or Guerrero or D'Lo or Jarrett or China or anyone. Like, he could have he easily have worked with the Intercontinental Champions at that period in time. Like, you know, in, in 2000, early 2001, because you had guys that knew how to work that style. And it was like the thought just never occurred to them. That's always been WWE's weakness when it comes to cruisers. It's like they don't know how to get over the transition mm-hmm. thing, you know, yeah. so... That, Hopefully they can why, do with Aries. Yeah, well, that's why Aries might be the best guy to do this. And you know what? I mean, listen, you know, we talked about it last week, how, you know, hopefully they value his mind and his knowledge. You know what? Let Aries tell you about, okay, well, when I first did option C, this mm-hmm. is, you know, how I went about it. This is what we did. This is what made it work, you know. And, and you know, yeah, you, he he might – have to be the he might have to be the guy for that. It's really it's a, my it's a it's a means to an end and at this point I'm pretty much like accepted it. I, I still don't think that he should be in the cruiser division, but as I've said before, look on the bright side, you know, to, to indie fans out there. I mean if it leads to a main roster call that's up what it is, Chris. That, if, that's yeah, what it if, is. That at the if, end of the day, as mm, much as it might not be the ideal way for him to you know, he, he, at off. least he's on the main roster. You know, if yeah, this is what it that, takes that, for him to get there, then whatever. And I'll prefer Kinta to, to debut in the Rumble and just go to sleep somebody. But if if Aries being champion, if this is how you get Kinta, if this is how you get Aries versus Kinta on a bigger stage, then so be it. It's a means yeah, to an end. Yeah, that's what it so. is, Chris. I, I think with this, and, I, and I'm with you, don't get me wrong, but I, I think this is where, you know what, it might be a case of, you might have to just, you know what? It's not ideal, but at least it's getting these Somewhere. guys there. You know, it's gonna get, you know, Kenta on a, on that main roster stage. It's gonna get Aries on that, and I mean, I would say Aries is a hit already. I mean, just from the two weeks with the commentary, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. wait, you know, wait till he's actually saying what he's saying on a mic and people are hearing it. Like, like that's the stuff that I. That's where I think. You know, you know. Sometimes, like Bret Hart used to say, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. And I, th- yeah, I think this this thing with 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 Aries is gonna is gonna be that. It's not it's not ideal. Don't get me wrong, and <laughs> it's not. But at the end of the day, it's gonna lead to Aries on Raw. It's gonna lead to Aries at WrestleMania. Mm. And you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'd rather him come up. I'd rather him come up this way than come up, be a random guy, and two weeks after he debuts, he's losing to Rollins. Mm-hmm. You know, or he's losing to Ziggler. You know, like like that's what they did to Neville. 
you know, I remember Neville debuted, and then the following week, it was a great match, but he he laid down for Rollins. Yeah. I mean, and I and I know people will say, well, Rollins was the champion, and it was a it was a it was a really good match. Rollins and Squash. I get that, but you know what? Build up a little momentum. You you know you had Neville debut against Curtis Axel. At least have Neville. I don't know who who was a low card heel at the time. You know, two years ago uh, against have Neville's next match against Miz. You know, even if Sandow would have cost Miz the match against Neville, it would have been. And I know I've talked about this a million times, and this is the old man in me because this is how I remember guys were built up. You go up the ladder of guys. You you know what I'm saying? Like, there used to be a ladder of guys. If you were a heel, you went through all the guys. Then you got to Duggan. And once (laughs) you destroyed... No, 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 I'm being honest. And then once you destroyed Duggan, you got Hogan. Or if you were a face, you know what? You got to perfect. And then you got to rude. You know, you went through, I don't know, you went through Arn Anderson and you got the flair. You know? That makes sense. I, 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 that's, maybe it's just, like I said, maybe it's just me. I grew up on that. I mean, fuck, I'm going to be 40 in 10 days. You know, so. No, yeah, I get where you're coming from. I mean, that's you know, how I feel about. They don't, um, they don't do that no more. No, they don't. Where, where That's how I feel that? about it. And to me, and what pisses me off is, is they skip the anybody. This is not the shit on anybody on the roster. But you could sit down. You can't do it so much in NXT because that roster is so like, what the fuck? You know, but somewhat in a good way. But if you sat down on Raw especially, you could turn around and say, okay, I need ten matches for a guy. Maybe not 10. Ten. 10's a little much. But I need seven matches for a guy. We're going to debut him, and I want to build them up to eventually, by the time we hit Survivor Series, this guy's going to be a major, major player. He's going to be a heel. I need seven faces. He's going to be a face. I need seven heels. You still could do that. It's not like they don't have the guys to do this. It's just for whatever reason, and I'm surprised with how old school Vince is, that Vince is not more on board with this. They don't, they're not, they don't do that. Well, I agree with you, and the, the, the thing that I missed in wrestling, WWE doesn't do it that much anymore, is uh, I missed the structure of uh, winning titles. And that's one of the main reasons why titles are, don't mean as much as they do. And... Um, whether people like or dislike the Miz, he's one of the last guys on the roster that had the old school title build where he was he was a, a, a random announcer, commentator. He was a jobber. Then he became an enhancement talent where he started to have more viable matches but still would lose. Then mm-hmm. he became a tag team guy of John Morrison. Then they became a really good tag team. Then he became a tag team champion, and they helped get each other over to the next level. Then the team broke up. Then Miz became a United States champion. Then after that, he won Money in the Bank, which is basically this generation's King of the Ring. Then he became WWE champion. 
he he walked up the ladder. You know, the the Shawn Michaels, the Bret Hart, the Steve Austin, the Rock, the Triple H, that old build where you're like mm-hmm. tag guy, mid-card guy, world title guy. He was one of the last dudes on the WWE roster that did that. And somewhere around 2009, and to me, that's why a lot of folks just don't care for Sheamus because he was the first dude that really started it. Somewhere around, like, well, actually, you know what? Jack Swagger did it, too. He was the ECW champion, but some folks don't count him. People make me laugh about Sheamus. I'll tell you why. If you look at what was going on in 2009, it was Cena, Orton, Cena, Orton, Cena, Orton, Cena, Orton. Okay? And, you know, this isn't a time to have a conversation about Sheamus' value. That's a whole other different... No, 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 I'm being serious. But you know what? They turned around and said, all right, we've ran this Cena-Orton feud into the ground. We came up with this asinine both champions against the two tag teams concept for Survivor Series, which the fact that Boltega and Cena retained against the two top tag teams in the company was Another what-the-fuck-are-you-thinking decision, but whatever. We need something different to do. You're laughing at me, but just hear me out. Okay, what do we got? We're going to do this concept where we're going to have all these matches, and the only way you could get in a match is if you've never been a world champion before. And then we're going to take all the winners, and we're going to put them in a battle royal at the end of the night. This way it guarantees Cena has a new challenger, TLC. And that's what they did. And you know what? Nobody in their mother ever thought Sheamus would have beat Cena. Even because it didn't the, make sense. And, and even with the protection of the table match, no one thought Cena would lose. And what did they do? They were battling on the top rope, and all Sheamus did was something that anybody else would have done. He pushed Cena off him, and Cena just happened to fall through the table. It's simple, and it worked, and people were like, oh, my God. Okay, we're going to rematch Cena and Sheamus January 4th, the first Raw of 2000. Ah, Cena's going to get the belt back. This was just for shock value. Guess what? Cena doesn't get the title back. Okay, we're going to put Sheamus and Orton at the Rumble. Ah, Orton's going to get the title back off Sheamus, and then, you know, We'll go Orton Cena at WrestleMania. Sheamus beats Orton. It was different at the time. It, it didn't it work, was. dude. It was bad. But I'm not, not talking about whether it worked or not. But you know what? It was what, bad. What, what? It was. It was. They. They took a risk. And they and all, didn't they're all not home runs. They're all not home runs. They're all not going to be home runs. But See, you the know problem what? is the main point I was ranting about titles is because. Now you have a lot of dudes in WWE, and this has been going on for a while. And to me, Sheamus was the first noticeable one. Then it was Swagger. Then it was Del Rio. And after Del Rio was when I well, just Del was Rio like, was okay. Well, Del Rio was a whole other different realm of ridiculousness. Right, right. But after Del Rio was when I just was kind of like, okay, I see where this is going. Basically, it's like a lot of these dudes now, they just bypass mid-card titles entirely, and they just get straight shot up to uh, a world title shot. And when you do that... It doesn't help the world title, and it doesn't help the mid-card title. It actually hurts both 
because now you have these dudes that win the world title, then they lose, and then they win a mid-card belt sometime after that. And back in the day, when you won a world title, you never went back down. Now you're having more dudes that are winning world titles, and then once they lose yeah, it... See, I actually think that, ma- that, that works better. Like, that's the beauty... Yeah, it works for Cena like a Ziggler or a Miz. Yeah, but that's also the beauty that worked with Cena with the U.S. title was we had gotten so used to Cena being a world champion only, this concept of Cena Cena's going to be U.S. champ. And you know what? It was one of the better things they did. Now, granted, it doesn't work for everybody. Like, what are the odds you're going to see Undertaker go for the IC title, you know, or, you yeah, know. That's not going to work. Like it's that. just not good when you have dudes like like the most obvious one, when you have dudes like Roman Reigns just bypass like mid-card belts and then go straight to a WWE title. He's the kind of guy well, that needs that. Yeah, you know? Roman, Roman's a whole other different different animal. But I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, it, it can go either way with, with that. I, I, I think that's one of those things. To me, it's been things. more of a miss. I mean, I mean p- people give Rollins a pass, but he did it too. He didn't win a mid-card belt. He was a tag title guy. That was it. And then he won Money in the Bank, and all of a sudden he's a world champion. And then he wins the U.S. title. Like, why? That didn't do anything for him or the belt. It was stupid. Yeah, well, what didn't help Rollins was they started doing those stupid, um, why would Rollins as the world champion be challenging Cena for the U.S. title? Yeah, they they did that, and it was just like should be the other way around. And and I get doing that on house shows, but the problem is, is when you put that house show on the network as a special, that's the pro like that's the problem. Like why you put why are you yeah, exactly like, <laughs> like why are you putting that like why are you doing that? And that's what I'm afraid they're gonna do with Owens and Reigns. I'm afraid they're going to start doing these matches where Owens, for some reason, is challenging Reigns for the U.S. title. Yeah, they better do some serious rehabilitation for that uh, universal title because it, it doesn't mean jack shit at the moment. So they need to do something with that title. Hopefully something happens. My prediction is this. I hope nothing bad happens, but my gut usually tells me something, and I have a feeling that, Owens or whoever the champion is going to be. Twenty, I feel like someone's going to hold that belt in 2017, and someone's going to be hurt. And as sad as that will be, it would actually help because then you could do a tournament to determine a new champion, and then you could do a, an actual viable way of 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 uh, yeah. But of you know what? You had champion. that with Balor, and what they do? They rushed four matches, and then the following week was a fatal four way. Yeah, like, that's, that's why the, the belt doesn't. Mean, yeah, that's the reason why the belt doesn't mean anything. You can actually. I remember Meltzer. He was actually on on the Law. Um, I think two weeks ago, and he actually said you could make a strong argument that the Universal title is like one of the most least prestigious belts in any promotion right now. I'm like, yeah, I can't really disagree with that because they haven't really done anything to make uh, that belt mean anything the way you Owens you're wanted. Need, you know what you're going to need Owens to do? He's going to, and it, it's not going to happen because he's going to end up, I think the thing with Owens and Jericho is a swerve. So he's going to beat Roman because of that. The problem is, what do you, I, I guess maybe you do, you could maybe do Owens then Jericho at the Rumble, but the problem is, is that Owens needs, especially with this title because it's so young, Owens needs to 
that signature defense and that signature win where there wasn't all these shenanigans. From what I understand, um, they're actually considering Jericho be champion. And from and from what I gather, Jericho, he wanted to leave months ago, but his stint with Owens and the whole list thing has gotten so yeah. well received that they keep telling him, "Hey, why don't you stay?" I, yeah, I'm right. Right. There's a possibility he might win the Rumble. And to be truthful with you, normally I would say that's stupid, but seeing how over he is and how well you know received. It, it, I wouldn't complain about that. Even but, if Jericho didn't win the title, that would be the match that Owens could have with that belt. And it's not a knock on Owens. It's just Owens is realistically the first real champion with that belt. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, all this stuff falls on him. But it's not against Owens per se. That would be the match, and Jericho would go out of his way to make sure it happened, that would make Owens and the title legit. That's I mean, he could what, he could do it. I know Jericho says on his podcast, all he wants to do is just like work with dudes and put them over. So yeah. I know he was I know he was like on his way out like back in September. Well, but they kept telling him to stay. He's told them he he's not working WrestleMania. They'll but find a way for him to work. I was just gonna say, <laughs> sure, hey, hey, listen, you know, we'll give you a win at the Rumble, something you've never done, and oh, by the way, we'll give you. It's not going to be the top match at WrestleMania, but we'll put you in the title match, you know, maybe third or fourth from the from the top. And you know what? Mm. Why don't you finish what you started with Owens? And then you know what? You can leave the night after, and we'll see you in the summer or the fall. Yeah. Yeah. I, feel like, they're, I feel like they're just trying I've to get heard, him to I've pay. heard that because now I'm hearing, and this could be Bauer just completely whatever, but I've heard Bauer's telling people it's not, I'm not going to be back for the Rumble. I heard Bauer was on a, a show somewhere mm. this week, and he's like, "It's gonna be closer." He'll probably, if that's the case, if he's not gonna be back for the Rumble, I save him for the night after Mania. You know what? Um, let Owens let Owens my, cut this victorious promo about oh, my I prediction for Neville. Jericho. I said I said Neville. I mean uh, Bauer. Um, if he's not gonna make the Rumble, but if he can make it for Mania, my prediction for him is uh, now that the brand split is back. Um, you can do those uh, anti-promotional brands. Yeah. Yeah, so I could see them doing, like, Balor versus Styles. Whether Styles is the champion or not is irrelevant. It could just be a simple, uh, just a one-off match for Mania, you know, just like Shawn Michaels. If AJ's the champ, he's got to defend the title. Then then that would be a way for Finn to possibly get on SmackDown. Uh, I don't really know why you want to do that. That would be – no, actually, that would work because – Oh, no, they're, they're on Raw. I was going to say, you could have the club, which way do they go? Well, you could have them somehow traded or drafted sometime afterwards. Yeah, I mean, when it, when is the draft normally? Like, Wasn't it like normally like an early summer, or was it after Mania? I don't remember. It, they, it, varied. it varied. It varied. That was the problem. And supposedly this one's going to happen right after Mania. They're not going to wait. Okay, until... well, there you go. There's, there's how you can do it then. You could, you could do Balor <laughs> against Styles. This would have worked. You know when this would have really worked? If they would have kept that original Survivor Series stipulation that whoever mm-hmm. would have won two out of the three matches gets a woman, a tag team, and a male superstar. That was the original thing for Survivor Series. I don't know why they went off that. I would have had the club go to SmackDown. They should. They should. You know? 
And I think right now it was probably um, not helping the revival is that now you have sort of like uh, two tag team champions that are both now kind of heelish and both kind of abusing the Freebird rule, and you just can't have the revival show up and feed with, uh, you know, because it doesn't matter if they go to Raw or SmackDown, the top guys are a heel team. Yeah. So now the revival, basically, what they're going to have to do is you know they're going to have to wait SmackDown? until one of those teams loses, and then and then whichever team loses, whichever team loses first, like whether it's Bray's team or New Day's team, my prediction is the team that loses the belts first, that's the brand the revival is going to go to, because they can't because the, the the way that their gimmick works, the revival they see themselves as the top guys. That's their mm-hmm. gimmick. And their gimmick works when they're chasing. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's, they're different because most heels don't usually chase, but for some reason it just works with them. So if you debut them and the top the champions are already heels, it's not going to make sense. So my prediction is that they're pretty much going to be on standby. I know they're still working NXT live events. I know that. I just think they're probably going to work NXT live events, and whichever team loses first will be where Revival goes to. Jay, we talked about it yesterday. He thinks that the New Day is losing the belts at Mania um, to Enzo and Cass. And then the very next night, Revival debuts. I agree debuts. with that. So I I'm like, okay, that. that's fine. I agree with that. I actually have that in my in my thing. Um, yeah, I, I see, I think Wyatt and Orton, though, are easier because... Their title loss is going to lead to an explosion. I agree obviously. with you. It's just the problem is is that they're actually getting over, and I don't think that was part of the plan because I think the plan was Orton's just going to fuck with them, which he will eventually, and then they'll just break I'll up. I'll give you something crazy. I don't think Orton's going to face. Hmm? I, I, think, I think it's going to be bright. That's fine. But regardless of what happens, I think that this is – because it's clearly getting received well. And fans are into it. Um, it's, it's, it's just – I think this was kind of similar to Daniel Bryan. It was just something that they just wanted to do for a few weeks, maybe a month. But it's starting to get over. And fans are, are cheering, which is not what I think what they wanted. So I think that whatever they're going to do with Bray and Orton, I think that it's going to go longer than anticipated because I think when they I were in the creative mania, I think it's going to go into mania. And, and oh, it is going to mania. They'll have I a just... match at mania. That that's that. It, you could, it, you it, could do that. Big. I just I yeah. just think they're going to be champions longer. I I just think that it could go longer, depending on yeah. fan reaction. That's because Orton's weird like that. That's the thing about Orton because when they did that whole legacy thing, the whole point of it was to push Ted. And I remember at the time. Yeah. I was the only dude that said this shit's not going to fucking work. I said it wasn't going to work because Cody's the more talented of the two. And the fans were cheering. They were cheering Orton, and it, was like it wasn't working. And so they ended up doing a triple threat instead with Orton going over. Yeah. Orton's weird like that. Orton's like one of the few guys that they creatively have a plan for, and it's like we're going to do this. But then the fans, they take it yeah, into another it, direction. It's, it's actually the type of thing where it's like, Shit, I, I I can't blame Orton for this. It's not like Orton sabotaged this. Right. And you know, whatever. It's just fuck. It's cool. It's cool. It's like just, it's it's cool yeah, from a casual it's standpoint. Like, it's just like shit. Like this is the way it went down. Like we didn't plan for this. 
Yeah, we, we didn't plan for it. Like, it's cool from a casual standpoint because now you have you, you play Orton's original Legend Killer theme, and then you transition that into the voices, and then you transition that into the Wyatt theme. And so then and Randy, he comes out walking slow anyway. So his entrance just works with Bray. It's cool. A lot of kids like it. And now when Bray does his usual follow the buzzers thing, Orton is posing on a turnbuckle, a lot of kids like this. You know, so yeah. they need to they need to make T-shirts for it, and I think they're afraid to because if they make T-shirts, it's going to be oh, a top seller. Oh, is, is the biggest driver, yeah. Yeah, and you know if they make T-shirts for it and it sells, you know Vince is going to be like, fuck. You know, because if it's yeah. making money, then you can't stop it. So I truly believe that this is going to it's going to flip. I think that whatever their plan is for Bray, like I, I don't. I agree with you. Like, I do think the end game is Orton's going to, you know, whatever, and Bray's going to, or whatever. But whatever their plan is, I feel like whatever their plan is, it's going to backflip. Meaning, if, they're, if, they're, if their creative direction is to go left, the fans are going to make it go right or vice versa, if that makes sense. Like, so. well, I, I, think, I think it's multi-layered. I'll be honest with you. I think it's multi-layered. I think what has to happen is Orton has to get Bray to turn on Harper. I think that's coming, mm-hmm. and that may actually tie into because of the Freebird rule. That could actually tie into them losing the tag belts. Harper's the guy; he takes the pin. Next thing you know, Harper's done. I think once that happens, Orton's going to turn the switch on Wyatt. But like I said, I don't think Orton's going to go face in this. I think, I think Wyatt's. I think this is. I think if there was ever a chance, and I know. We could say, well, it's two years too late. But this might be the best chance to get him over as a monster face. It's not too late for Bray. And get him that win at WrestleMania hmm. that he so desperately Desperately needs. Because you know what? (laughs) Orton will put him over. I think now he will. Yeah. I think now he will. Like, maybe two, three years ago, he wouldn't have. Oh, no, Orton would have thrown a hissy fit. But yeah. Orton, Orton will put him over now, and I think that crowd will eat that up. Um, I, I have and a lot especially of if you Bray find because... a way, you know what else you got to do? If you're going to make Orton be the heel, you somehow you have to segue Harper to end up, even though Bray, Orton caused Bray to turn on him, you got to get Harper and Rowan with Orton, you know, to really get that heat. And then you got to Bray be like, "All right, I'm gonna. Just, I, I brought you into this world. I'm gonna take you all out. You know, mm-hmm. let's let's go." Like, and he he downs he downs Rowan on SmackDown at Elimination Chamber. He takes out Harper, and then it's like, "All right, now it's you and me, Randy, and I'm gonna kick your ass at WrestleMania." Like that's how you do it. Yeah, that works. I still have faith in Bray because he's still over and fans still oh, respond yeah. to him. Yeah, and, and as he and said in the past, proved it. And, right. and he, he's had some dead moments. Don't get me wrong; like he's had some, you mm. know, you know, where it's like fuck, you know, you know. But fans still respond like to him, the, and, and, and you know what? Look at the week or two weeks post Mania before he got hurt, where they came out as faces. They mm. were getting pops, and if they would have worked the League of Nations at Extreme Rules. Like they were supposed to, they would have been monster faces coming out of extreme roles. I think probably the the two big examples to me, ironically, um, they both happened at Rumble. It seems to, I don't I don't know if it's like a hijinks, but mm-hmm. the the Rumble in 2015 where 
uh, Harper and Rowan teased turning on Ombre. Yep. Uh, the fans popped for that. And then um, the, earlier this year, when Triple H and Bray were face-to-face, the fans also yeah. popped for that yep. as well. So it's like every yeah, year at the no, Rumble, right. there's, the, like a, the, the pe- there's like people, a... People, give us something with Wyatt, and we'll get behind it. Right, right, exactly, exactly. It's like every year there's like a tease they do, but it never leads to anything. But it's like they experiment just to see how fans would react to it. Mm-hmm. And both of those years, the fans popped. So to me, that, that shows me that fans are just looking for something to sink their teeth into. Everything that Bray does is temporary because they know it's not really like, you know, a long-term investment. And it's like every time you tease something, that's like, oh, okay, okay, I'll watch. I'll watch. Kind of like that one thing that happened, probably the dumbest thing that ever happened ever was that stupid, (sighs) which Rumble had 40 people? Was that the one in 2011? The one Del Rio one. Yeah, the one at the very beginning where they tease like that heel versus heel, core versus new nexus, yes. and the fans were like, okay, okay, and then nothing came of that at all. Like, what the fuck was that? That was like the most weird thing they've ever done. And I'm thinking, okay, Mania 27, core, nexus? Core, right, nexus. They're both I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I'm all, I'm all bored on that. Fans were really excited, and that was it. It was just a one-night thing to just, I don't know what the fuck that was. That was weird. But anyway, 2011. Uh, don't get me started on 2011. That uh, that that year is up there with 95 to me as far as booking decisions go. But uh, but on uh, SmackDown, I felt once Raw got going with Punk, it, it was fine. But you're right, right, right. SmackDown was another story. But, uh, yeah. I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to think positively of Orton before I get triggered again. So. You know. <laughs> easy, easy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, you know, not to keep going, but I, I, I think there's something big coming with Bray. And, I, I like I said, I, I, I'm I not saying he's going to be a world champion, but I, I think hmm. he's going to go full blast th- this year. I, they've, they've got the best chance with him to do it. I, 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 I think Orton is finally the right guy to be like, all right, what do you what what do we need to do with this guy? You know, yeah, he's he's finally getting on board let, with uh, let's, let's, what needs to be done. Like, okay, you want me to put this guy over? Okay. Yeah, let let's let's get there. You know, let let's let's get there. Let let's 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 do this. I I could see, um, you know, that finally happening, and and, and that's what he needs. That's what Bray needs. Bray, that might have been. Maybe that's what Bray has needed, somebody in his corner the whole time. You know, I mean, like I said, my biggest regret is, is that if only they had did this earlier when they were both kind of like in mini-fuse with Lesnar, it would have been a little bit more interesting. You know, Bray against Lesnar with Orton in his corner. Oh, yeah. Or Orton against Lesnar with Bray in his yeah, corner. That would have been, been like a good SummerSlam match or Survivor Series match. It's like they did it too late. Oh, well. You know, but, I mean, they're they're making it work, so. You know, props yeah, and at the, at the end of the day, that that that's what that's the most important thing is that, you know, however they're getting there, they're they're getting there with it, and and that's that's what you need. You you need, you know, you need to get to get there, and and sometimes better late than never is indeed just that. It's it, it's better than never, and I I feel like I said I unless they pull something completely unexpected where they're going to go with this thing. I, I don't see how you don't... Well, 
But what's going to make this hard is that when they did Legacy, um, at the time, Ted and Cody were just bland. So the fans didn't get behind him, but they yeah, but got Harper's behind Orton. Not. Harper's, you know, even Harper's not, you know. Uh, well, Harper. all three of them are likable. The fans like Bray, they like Harper, and they like Orton, which is going to make hard. It's going to make it hard for whatever. If they have a swerve intended, it's going to be hard because, unlike Legacy, the fans are invested in all parties. I think. I think if any. I think if anything, you could you could sacrifice. Um, you could sacrifice Harper. I, I think I think the fans would be okay with that, mm-hmm. knowing that it's part of a bigger story, a bigger piece of the story. I think you could get away with giving up. You know, uh, I gotta watch Harper get his ass kicked. All right, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll give that up to get to um, you know, to get. I'll be honest, man. With this partnership. And, I would even actually be on board with another Taker match. You want to do Orton versus Taker again? Or you want to do Bray versus Taker again? As long as the other guy is in their corner, I'm on board with that. Yeah, That's an interesting I, I, story. It is, I don't know because how, Taker I don't know how, has no, history of both. It is. I just... And then Orton's going to be like, and if you do Bray against Taker again, Orton's going to be like, I'm with the Wyatt family, but... Is this guy gonna do something I couldn't do? Because he's the viper. He won't. Li- he won't allow that. And then, do you think that Bray would want Orton to do something he couldn't do either? Like that's a lot to. Uh, that's a very interesting. Like not, not necessarily for the match itself, but I think the story and the promos for it would be very interesting. You know what I mean? I mean that's yeah. only assuming you had to do it. Like let's say you had like. I mean, hopefully nothing bad happens. Now you're dragging this out a little too far. Well, I don't want it to happen, but, like, hopefully nothing bad happens. But, like, let's just say another injury bug occurs and, you know, God forbid that happens. But if yeah. it does happen, that could be, like, a plan B. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take it as that. I'll take it as that. You know, that's hmm. fine. But, I mean, you have to come out of this with I, – I, I think the only thing – the only way you can come out of this is Wyatt Orton at WrestleMania – and I think Wyatt has a monster baby face. I, I think that's... Are they still champions, though? Are you going to do the Ray no. Eddie thing where they're still champions? No, no. They'll, they'll, they'll drop the belts before then. Like I said, I think you could use... I think Orton has to get Bray to turn on Harper. And like I said, this Freebird rule is the easiest way to do both. Because you could have Harper in, in the, the match pin. where they lose the titles. Yeah. Take the pin. You've now got the belts off them without hurting Bray or Orton, and right. you've just added another dynamic to the story that Harper, who's been with Bray since day one, is now a bastard and an outcast. Mm-hmm. And you could even do it, I mean, this is WWE, so they, they love this type of thing. They could even do it in like a multi-team, like one of those tag team turmoil matches. And you know what? I know what you're saying about the Revival's character. But you could actually use that debut of Revival and have them come out of that turmoil match as the champions. I do think SmackDown would be a better fit for them. Yeah. My gut just tells me they'll be on Raw. Cause just you know what, based they never off worked that first... Enzo, they, I don't think they ever worked Enzo Cass. I don't think they um, did. What do you mean? They had some the takeover, They had some takeover special matches, but... And not, not takeover specials, I mean... Really? Um, 
They had um that one special. Remember what was that that show that where Dean Ambrose fought Triple H? What the was the roadblock? Called? Okay, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's long enough. You know what? You could recircle that. Heck, you could even have the revival debut and say, huh, "It's cute that you guys are champs, but last time I checked, you guys never beat us." Hmm. Yeah. You, know, you never beat the top guys. <laughs> you know. And that's the one thing I hope, too. I hope they don't change anything with the Revival. Whatever show they're on, just, they need to be that. (laughs) Oh, just based off that first brand split, uh, the first draft they did, it just seemed like they put everybody on the opposite show they should be on. Sometimes I feel like going on social media and um, saying where you want to go, I feel like they fuck with you intentionally. Because I remember that whole time Sasha kept saying, Team SmackDown and how Eddie was on SmackDown and how she just loves to be on SmackDown and then they put on Raw. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, so but you know what? <laughs> Sasha needed to be on Raw with Charlotte. That that's you know Sasha well, of all the people that didn't member. get of all the people that didn't get their roster with Sasha's the last one who should be complaining about anything. <laughs> right. I just feel like if I was on the roster, I probably wouldn't say anything. I would just I be quiet. <laughs> those are the guys, and and you're right. Those are the you know like. Cesaro, oh, I'll go to SmackDown. Zane, oh, I'll go to SmackDown. <laughs> They're on Raw. And and you know what? I mean, you know, and that that's what it is. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, let's jump into final battle. Um, yeah, yeah, I got some final battle notes Because I feel it was important. Like I said, questions we had this time last week and where we are with the answers, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we don't have to do each and every result. But, yeah, whatever, whatever you got on Final Battle, what, what, you know. Okay, yeah, I got some uh, notes here and there. Um, they um, they finally did um, – they got a six-way – a three a – three, they got a, a three-team title now, like with a, a six-man yeah, six title. Yeah. yeah. Right, and uh, we're seeing a revival of that in wrestling um, – Lucha Underground star. Actually, you know what? To WWE's credit, they kind of started it with the Shield and the Wyatt family and their matches. And then when Lucha Underground started, they had their trios title. And then New Japan, they got their three ways titles uh, debuted at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. And um, now Ring of Honor has uh, a, a six man title. And what TNA's doing is they got this concept called. Uh, team X Gold that they do like every other week, where it's like they get teams of uh, X Division dudes, where it's like uh, three on three, and like the winning team can get like a future title shot, you know. So we're seeing the 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 relevance of uh, six man titles return in wrestling, and um, I do think that down the road it could be something WWE could do, especially once a lot of NXT dudes get caught up and the rosters get bigger and bigger. I mean, not anytime soon. But, like, you know, by, like, early 2018, 2019, when their rosters are much bigger, is something that they could consider. Um, they have a one guy in Ring of Honor. His name is Donovan Dijak. This guy is a, is a very interesting, uh, I really use this word, specimen. Basically, take Matt Morgan and make him work a cruiserweight style, and that's Donovan Dijak. He's crazy. He does moves that he just physically shouldn't be able to do. He's he's doing ICA moonsaults. He's doing suicide dives. He's doing he's doing like four fifty splashes. It's crazy. But anyway they, they they're teaming him with the Motor City machine guns and it works because it's like you got two little guys and you got one big guy. But it's not like 
he can't do what they do. So, but he's very good, and um, and they're finally pushing him as a face, which is great because the Ring of Honor fans were not booing him anyway. So, um, but they had a match against the uh, the cabinet, and the cabinet went over because I guess they're trying to establish them as you know uh, a top heel group as far as the six because they're trying to start like a six man division basically. So they're trying to establish them as the, as a as a future threat. So that's cool. Uh, Matt Taven's I'm not allowed group. to talk about the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Matt Taven, uh, his his kingdom group <clears throat> won the, the six-man titles. Um, good for him. Um, Matt Taven, uh, like Kenny Omega, uh, sometimes life just deals you a bad hand. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt Taven kind of got left for dead because he tore his ACL in final battle last year. And then after that happened, Bennett and Maria, they left for TNA. And then Cole... He would later on uh, join the Bullet Club and become the leader of the American faction version, which pretty much left Taven alone with nothing to do. Uh, He had a really bad ACL tear, so even if he recovered from it, he was going to have to basically, he's on his own, he's got to reinvent himself. And so he kind of got left for dead, kind of like Omega, and sometimes shit happens. But um, he he was able to win. I'm not familiar with his two partners. I know he chose them. yeah, they're two new guys. Yeah, they're two new guys. But uh, he he wants to uh, repackage the kingdom. So what he's doing is he's taking the kingdom faction and he's kind of like repackaging it with his image. So that's cool. You know, props to him. Uh, I respect anybody that is able to come back and hopefully he can he can go uh, farther than that. And um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his work. Now uh, here's some interesting stuff here because the team they beat was. Uh, ACH, Jay White, and Kushida. No, I'm wrong. Uh, no, ACH wasn't there. He he had to perform. Uh, uh, I think he had like a done with the company. Right, right, right. I think he's his contract is done, and he was there was some type of visa issue. So instead, the Leo Rush guy took his place. Um, so uh, anyway, the interesting thing about this match is um, they interviewed Kushida, and they asked Kushida like uh, what his future plans were. And Koshida said that his future plans is that at some point in 2017, he would like to be the Ring of Honor champion, which is very interesting because in order for him to be the Ring of Honor champion would mean that he would have to basically sign a full-time deal. Uh, Ring of Honor, they're not stupid. They're not, I mean, they'll have their New Japan guys show up, but they don't, they don't win titles, you know, at least no. not the world title. You know, I mean, Ishii was the TV champion for a few months, then he dropped it. Uh, but there's never been, like, a New Japan guy in a, in a while that's just going to come in there. Uh, Kushida's been with New Japan for a while, and he's been their, their their junior champion, like, I think four or five times. So that seems to be kind of like his, his limit in, in New Japan. They won't push him any further. So uh, he he's definitely the most consistent of the New Japan talents, like the Okadas, the Tanahashis, the Nakamura when he was there. They would show up, like, every so often, like once every three months. Kushida definitely shows up the most of all the New Japan guys. He's developed the following. So, hey, man, if he wants to wrestle for the Ring of Honor, if he wants to be a full-time Ring of Honor talent, I say go for it. And if this could potentially lead to him being picked up by other companies down the road. So I'm all for it. So um, that's cool. Uh, Moving on to some uh, probably the first big swerve of the night. We had Cody Rhodes versus Jay Lethal. Uh, this was uh, just like swerve, swerve, swerve galores. So before the match started, um, they had Jay Lethal cut a very passionate promo 
uh, very similar to Randy Savage. Basically, Jay Lethal said, you know, he was like, I'm the best wrestler in the world, and I'm here to prove I'm the best wrestler in the world. But the only way that I can prove that I'm the best wrestler in the world is by wrestling the best wrestlers in the world. And he said, and that's where you come in, Cody. And he says, Cody, I've already been there before. I've seen this happen a million times. Some new guy comes in, and they try to make a name at my expense. It's not going to happen. He says, you clearly have something to prove to the Ring of Honor fans, so let's just go out there and steal the show. You know, so then... They they showed his promo package about Dusty Rose and his legacy. I mean, they basically just build Cody like as, you know, um, like Jesus Christ's sons revived from the dead and stuff. And you know, so then Eden announces him and you know, streamergasms and stuff. And you know, so they they have their match. The match is okay. It's it's a little slow. You can tell they're gonna probably do a rematch where they'll work a little bit faster. Um, the match is okay. It's going well. Nothing, nothing special is going on. Just Jay and Cody working a match. Then this finish just comes out of left field. So Lethal goes for the lethal injection. Cody pushes Lethal back. He pushes his back when he goes for the cutter. When he pushes Lethal, Lethal bumps into the ref. The ref hits the turnbuckle. So the ref, he's not knocked out. He's just got his head down, you know, because he's dizzy. So when that happens, Cody looks at Lethal. He looks at the crowd. He looks at the ref, and then he just gives Lethal a low blow out of nowhere. He just gives him a low blow, and then he hits the crossroads, and then he pins him. And so they debuted him as a face, and the fans were into him, and then they turned him heel in his debut. And, and the reaction just took a straight 180. Uh, Cody starts mocking the fans. He starts mocking the code of honor. He offers Jay Lethal a handshake and then flips him off, spits on him, and then kicks him. The fans are chanting, fuck you, Cody, fuck mm-hmm. you, Cody. Like, we're, we're entering, like, ECW shit, one-night mm-hmm. stand shit here. So then the addiction comes out. They chase Cody away. And then Cody gets in Carino's face, and then he pushes Carino. So it's just like, wow, like, where is this even? I can give you something on that <laughs> with Carino. Mm-hmm. Um, we, talk, we talked on it last week. They worked. Sunday Ring of Honor had a show and Cody worked Carino. Oh, that's cool. And then yeah, but and that was pretty much Carino's goodbye. Oh, okay. That's 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 good. Uh, yeah. That's, that's good to Carino. You know, always putting the guy over on his way out. Yeah, um, and Carino's. I mean, we talked about it last week. Carino's had it right. the next day. So. Yeah, so now there's some uh, talk saying that the Ryback thing is a swerve and that the new member of the Bullet Club oh, is actually going to be Cody. That's and tonight, now, you know, today or tonight, whatever, at some point. Right, right, right. You know, So for a while now, people thought it was going to be Ryback, and now folks are going to say it's going to be Cody. And I just want to say this right now. like a Cody debuting, like a, a debuting guy defeating a Ring of Honor dude, it may not seem like a big deal, but uh, usually when people debut Ring of Honor, they don't fight a former world champion off the bat. And go they usually, <laughs> Right, right. They usually fight. When someone debuts, it's usually like a Silas Young an ACH, a Mark Briscoe, a Bobby Fish. It's very, very rare for someone to debut and defeat a former world champion, like in their first match ever. So for Cody to do that and then go heel, and it wasn't like it was a send-off, because, you know, a lot of times Ring of Honor is very similar to NXT. When someone wrestles their last match, a lot of times they kind of give them the ring, the fans, you know, chant, you know, goodbye or you know, please don't go, and, you know, whatever. So you didn't get any of that here with Lethal. So clearly, I don't know his contract status, but whatever's going on with Cody, this isn't over. Uh, at least if Lethal's on, if he's on his way out, he's going to at least 
have a few more matches with Cody because when Lethal lost, the camera showed his face, and Lethal just kind of had like a pissed off look on his face, you know, because he's, he's he's selling the story still. So this isn't over for Lethal. He still has some time left, you know. So there was there was nothing like that on this show because what you were looking for is you were looking for like you know because that's happened before in the past, like when uh, Mark Briscoe beat. Roderick Strong, um, Mark left the ring and he gave the ring to Roddy and the fans were throwing streamers saying, don't go, don't go. So you kind of knew watching that match, okay, that's it. Like Roddy's on his way out, he's gone. So there was nothing like that on this show. So these dudes are going to be staying, well, we already know the status of the Bucks. So, and we'll we already know that, the status yeah. of, yeah, we already know the status we'll of Colin Rowley. Right, but for Cole and Lethal, if they're on their way out, they're not leaving yet. They still have some, because the stories that were told in this show clearly were telling us as the viewer that it's not over yet. So uh, Cody, he went over yeah, uh, Lethal. I mean, I don't know what Lethal's contract is. I know it's at some point this year, but mm-hmm. this, I mean, I guess maybe the only thing is you could see this setting up to be the final story for Lethal. And I, I mean, I guess we could say the same thing about Cole, too, that yeah, you know, I can probably see. Are, them, I can see this as a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. I yeah, these are probably these are probably the last programs. You know, this is what we're gonna do on our way out, and right. You know, I know, like like we said earlier, Cole's Cole's April. That is, mm. that's Cole. Cole is April. So you've got four more months, which for Ring of Honor. It's probably what the Super Card of Honor show. Yeah, Super Card of Honor. And then show. that's it. He won't get to All Star Extravaganza unless he signs an extension. Right. Because All Star Extravaganza, that's the one in the summer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one yeah, in the so summer. he won't. Cole won't get to that. So we're looking at Super Card of Honor, which is what is that March? And then I guess that's- whatever they run. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, Supercard um, of Honor is usually like the same week as whatever WrestleMania is doing. That's and the, the past, yeah, that's the WrestleMania show, yeah. Yeah, and so. last year, I think it was like the day before uh, the TakeOver show. So mm-hmm. um, the TV title match, uh, the villain, Marty Squirrel, he retained his TV title against Will Ospreay and Dragon Lee. This was my first exposure to Dragon Lee and uh, Marty Squirrel. Uh, the story here is Fish, he lost to Will Ospreay kind of in a fluke roll-up finish. And then immediately after that, Will Ospreay dropped the title to Marty Scroll. I'm not familiar with Marty Scroll. It's the first I've ever heard of him. All I know about him is two things. One, uh, Paul Heenan's a big advocate of his. And two, his submission, he ha- he's basically kind of a submission-based wrestler. And his style is kind of funny, but it's kind of messed up. Uh, uh, the the one thing he kept doing is uh, when someone tries to punch him, he catches the punch, and then the fans in the crowd are like, shh, like they want you to be quiet. And he basically pops their fingers as a sign of offense. And it's, it sounds painful, but I'm sure there's some trick to it. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. this match was yeah, this match was pretty crazy. Uh, Will Ospreay is really uh, well-received here in Ring of Honor. Uh, I know when Okada... Uh, Okada, he recruited Will Ospreay into New Japan, and um, he gave him some exposure, and now Ring of Honor signed him a deal. So now he's working uh, Ring of Honor now. Uh, Will Ospreay, he's notorious. So he's he's made a lot of uh, headlines this year. Uh, you know, he, he had a Twitter feed with Vader. Uh, he, he worked a match with Ricochet, a.k.a. Prince Puma. And then, which, and then, yeah, but Vader squashed him in about six minutes. Yeah, Vader squashed him. 
Uh, he worked a crazy match with Ricochet at New Japan. And Which it, may or may not be the most infamous match ever, depending on who you talk to. Right, right, <laughs> who you talk to. So he's very, very, very athletic. The stuff that he does... And he's also is, the same guy. Everyone forgets this about Osprey. He's the guy that left the TNA UK tour yeah. because he got, I think it was, was it New Japan that he signed with? And they, yeah, he, he signed. He literally signed like mid-tour. Yeah, he, he signed mid-tour. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, listen, this guy listen, is very interesting. I'm not uh, against anybody making money. You know, you do whatever <laughs> you can. You make, No, I'm serious. You make a living, whatever. But if you're telling somebody, all right, listen, how long is your tour? Okay, whatever, it's five nights. I'm going to work all five nights. And you, you tell New Japan, and I'm sure, you know, Ghetto and them would understand, hey, listen, mm-hmm. I, I've got two more nights on this TNA tour. Let me let me finish these up, and, you know, I'm all yours. For him to turn around and be like, all right, fuck TNA, I'm out. You know, that that's, yeah. I mean, you know. He, he, he's very talented, but his his attitude is definitely questionable and it's and going to determine gonna be, that's going to be a problem with him yeah that's his attitude is going to determine how far he and can go and from what i heard i didn't see it i heard i heard vader pretty much went into business for himself <laughs> and yeah. pretty much just stiffed osprey for about six minutes and hit the vader bomb on him and put all his weight on osprey so osprey couldn't kick out i i yeah. didn't see it but that's pretty much what i what i heard happened that yeah. Vader was like, yeah, fuck you, you're not getting shit in. That's, that's pretty much what what happened. Um, his style, the best way I can describe it, is, is pretty much like a real-life Power Rangers. He does stuff that doesn't really make logical sense to the match, but it's really cool to look at. Um, I know him and Zack Sabre Jr. had a lot of matches. Um, the only real bad thing about his style is he actually has a lot of concussions. He's very similar to Daniel Bryan, and he's very young. Uh, so he, yeah. needs to, he needs to chill out on that. Uh, the Young Bucks, they defeated the Briscoes in a good match, and the finish, again, was controversial where uh, they both hit super kicks on them, and then Jay Briscoe got up and pretty much said, you know, fuck you and fuck your super kicks. So then uh, Nick and Matt kind of gave them like a, a Mortal Kombat-style fatality, super kick, super kick, super kick, super kick, super kick, taking turns, super kicking them, and so then they beat the Briscoes. After that, the lights went out, and then when the lights came back on, Broken Matt was there, and it was literally like just like, an orgasm of fans just losing their shit. And uh, Broken Matt was, you know, just cutting a promo, calling in the Bucks of Youth, saying, <laughs> it was funny, he said the Bucks of Youth, and he said, You're he was like, you guys have zero work rate, and you guys are jobbers, and we're going to delete you. <laughs> the fans are just They're eating worried. it up. Yeah, and you know what's weird about this? It's not happening in Ring of Honor or TNA. It's an indie show, WrestleMania weekend. I think it's WrestleCon. That yeah, they're yeah, working. Yeah. So it's very weird that both very companies would oh, let yeah, this... something's going on there. Obviously, some type of agreement was made on the side where some TNA dudes can, you know, make appearances. Apparently, and... apparently, they okay the... But what... And that's not what I... What, what's questionable to me is it's... You know, no one's getting anything out of this. This is going to happen on an, on, at WrestleCon... WrestleMania weekend. The Bucks are not on total nonstop deletion from what I've heard. I've right. heard they're not. You know, so it's not there. The Hardys are not going to Ring of Honor and bringing the TNA tag belts with them. So it's like, right. why would ROH let this... I mean, I get why ROH would have it on their show, because it's, it's Matt Hardy on their show, but if you're TNA, 
what do you? I mean, I guess maybe Buzz. I don't. Yeah, I, I guess don't Buzz. get what any. The biggest yeah. winner in this is Russell Khan. It was you really got weird. Free publicity for your show. Yeah, it was really weird, but I recommend people check it out just for the pop because it was so unexpected. The closest thing similar was like when AJ showed up at the Rumble. Like there was because yeah. when he because the pop AJ got was a mixture of oh shit pop and like what the fuck pop. That's kind of like what this was because you just you would never expect just the visual of seeing AJ Styles in WWE and the visual of seeing. Broken Matt and Ring of Honor Final Battle in the Heimerstein Ballroom. Like, these are just visuals you never expect mm-hmm. to see, and you saw it. And so when you see stuff like that, you and just you know get these too, crazy and, and this goes to Matt's credit. He he was at Final Battle, what was it, not even two years ago, when he, mm. was, working, when he was working with Cole. Yeah, with the Kingdom, and yeah. He, yeah, and he, um, they were there when Chris Hero returned. I remember Hero laid, mm. Hero laid both of them out. So it's not like... And like I said, this is a credit to Matt. It's not like, oh, my God, Matt Hardy's in ROH. It's, you know, because you, you've just had that. It's, mm-hmm. wow, okay, you know, broken Matt is in ROH. Like, holy it shows shit. You, yeah, it shows you how much he's really changed And I really said it. I, and I, I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle this week. I put this up on the PWP Nation page. You know, for all the credit he gets for the broken character, Big Everyone's going to forget, too. thank you, how good Big Money Matt was earlier this year. Yeah, because technically he had two characters. Because if you want to talk about, like, characters of the year, technically you've you got to put Big Money and Broken Matt. Those are yeah. two different characters. So Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I, I loved Big Money Matt. I, I did. And, you know, but, yeah, that's a credit to him. Um, real quick, last thing on the Young Bucks, obviously they win. They sign new two-year deals with ROH, so they are off the radar for two more years. Uh, yes, they're off the I, radar for. I don't. I still don't think. I don't think that guarantees anything for Omega resigning. Yeah, it doesn't guarantee anything. Uh, it's definitely disappointing. I would prefer yeah. Omega to come come with them. That would be my preference. It would definitely be better. But uh, I have faith that he can make it and succeed as I a single so guy. I, I think right. so too. And you know right. what? Eighteen months down the road. You could start to tease it and wonder about it. Yeah, you could. You could. You know. You could. Um, the main event was uh, Adam Cole against Kyle O'Reilly, and it was made no DQ um, at the last moment, which kind of caught me off guard. The match was a. Uh, it was. It was a. Uh, it wasn't really a wrestling match. It was more of a fight. Of kind of a street fight, kind of a lot of weapons and blood and stuff like that. Um, they've had better matches before, but. Um, it was kind of a match that needed to happen. You know, we predicted this I earlier like this year. I felt like should be a blow-off, though. Yeah, yeah, I, it should be. I it felt like, like the blow-off. I felt it, like for that stipulation, mm. you do that for the blow-off. Yeah, we predicted like, this. Now it's like, okay, what do we? What do you do here? What do you do for the rematch? Mm. You know, if Cole is leaving, and, mm. you know, his final thing is going to be to put over O'Reilly on the way out. What do you, what do you do with it? There, you know, I feel like you should have saved the no DQ stipulation for that final, pardon the pun, but that final battle between the two of them. I'll give a Ring of Honor credit. They uh, they don't usually do video promo packages. That's kind of like one of the weaker areas of Ring of Honor. But they actually had a pretty good one here with Adam Cole. They had Adam Cole sitting on a chair. He was wearing a suit. Uh, he was drinking like wine. They were oh, yeah, playing Adam classical music. Time. 
Yeah, Storytown, Storytown, Adam Cole, Baby, you know, he's he's, he's really comfortable mm-hmm. on the mic, and they kind of like told like this kind of King Arthur analogy, how like him and Kyle were both knights, but he in Cole's mind he was knighted to be the king, and Kyle wasn't, and Kyle just can't accept it. So it was it was, it was good. It was a good promo package for for Ring of Honor because that's usually not their thing. Um, There's one thing ROH missed with this match, and I want to see if you get to it. Well, um, I, I, I feel it's a minor thing, but maybe yeah. it plays a role later on. But, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, um, the match overall was, was uh, mostly just uh, average. There was two spots that were really vicious. The, the story that they were telling really was that Kyle hated Adam so much that he would do moves that hurt himself. But he didn't care because he knew that it was going to hurt Adam, too. So there was a spot in the match where uh, Cole was trying to give Riley a brain buster into the table outside. And then Kyle transitioned that into a triangle choke. and He was choking Cole out on the ropes. And so then when Cole passed out, he actually kind of turned it into a powerbomb where they both hurt themselves. There were a lot of moves like that. And then the finish was really, really, really kind of uh, – this is probably the only spot in the match that was kind of like, eh. Like, if you're not into blood or violent wrestling, you probably won't like this last spot. Uh, Cole got some thumbtacks, and um, what ended up happening was uh, Kyle actually gave Cole a brain buster on the tacks. And then after yeah. that, um, <laughs> he, after that, he then uh, applied the arm bar on Cole while they were both in the tax. So, like, he's hurting himself while also hurting Cole. So, very, very, uh, very violent. But it's a blood feud. So, they, they had to com- compel to the audience that these two hate each other so much that they will hurt themselves as long as they know that they're hurting the other person right. more, which I can appreciate. That's like old school NWA stuff. Oh, so, yeah. Cole, Cole tapped out. And uh, to their credit, like, when Cole tapped out, like, there was so much blood and so much shit in the ring that when Cole tapped out, it wasn't like um, the bell rung immediately and the fans threw streamers. So it was like when Cole tapped out, it was kind of like a prolonged about maybe two minutes of just them cleaning shit up and the fans didn't know what was going on. And then mm-hmm. Kyle Raleigh got up, and then once he got up, then they announced him as a new champion. And then after that, that's when the fans threw the uh, streamers in the ring. I thought that Bobby Fish or, like, the roster would come out and Bobby wasn't there. Him. He had a death in the family. He, well, right. He wasn't there. He had a death in his family. So, um, and he just celebrated by himself. And after that, uh, Cole just kind of uh, rolled outside the ring. So there wasn't like any like you know handshake or you know him being left alone in the ring. And then he leaves or something. So no, he just won. Uh, they showed highlights of the match, and then they just kind of closed the show. So um, there was nothing on this show. I mean, yeah, obviously the show was called Final Battle, but what I mean is there was nothing on the show that hinted Nothing's definitive. That, right, right. There was nothing here that hinted that, like, Cole is leaving ASAP or Lethal is leaving ASAP. But what we do know for sure is that the, the Young Bucks staying. are staying. And since Kyle O'Reilly just became Ring of Honor champion, Kyle he's, is staying. He, he, he's staying. So right now the direction that it's looking like is that probably – Kyle and the Bucks are, are going to be in Ring of Honor, and Cole and Lethal. Cole being the more uh, more more likely of the two, because Lethal, I just can't predict him. I'm not sure, because I can I can see I can see some shit being pulled. What I mean is, 
because Ring of Honor dudes, they can work New Japan and vice versa. So I could see someone saying, like, hey, Lethal, if you stay, you'll get some title matches in New Japan or something. Lethal has – he, he's been interviewed by JR, and Lethal said that he likes working Japan. But, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have been passionate about being there, like Finn Balor wanted to be there, uh, Loki Caval wanted to be there. MVP, like, there's dudes that have said they want to be in Japan. Lethal has never expressed interest of wanting to stay in Japan, which makes no, me he just, feel... he likes going there. Yeah, he likes going there, but, like, he's not, like, one of those guys that just wants to stay there. So that that can make me feel like, okay, if he gets an offer, he might leave. So it's hard, but I think Cole's definitely priority, and Lethal is probably second priority. But um, I think of the two... Cole would more than likely be signed first, and then Lethal would be signed. Well, I, I, I think it, it's going to depend on contract status too. Contract status. When. Now, as far as what happens from here, uh, at least with Lethal, I wanna, we have on, some I want to jump on one thing. Okay. I have one problem with the main event because of the no DQ step. What is Adam Colin? He's in the Bullet Club. Who so was no on the show? Who was in the show 20 minutes earlier? The Young Bucks were. So you, you were mad at Where him interfere? Where were the Bucks? Even for a spot. And you know what? Whether it's the Briscoes or somebody else, maybe who's going to step up to challenge the Bucks, there's your spot. Even if you well, have the Bucks come out and have somebody come out and run them off. Where maybe, was that? Maybe, well, that's a, that's a criticism. Maybe that could lead to something. Maybe. maybe Cole can say, you guys didn't have my back, and yeah, that's maybe, how yeah. they they could. They I mean, could, yeah, you know, where were you guys, you know, we, I thought we were a team, and, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe if Cole is leaving, that could lead to Cole, that could lead to Cole, that, that's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. If but that, that's a criticism, though, I didn't really notice at the time. I think with Lethal, there's a little bit more he can do, because as I said, like, it definitely seemed like there was going to be another match with Cody, and it felt like that they worked the pace slow on purpose. Yeah, but he, so here's the thing with Lethal and Cole, and they're kind of in the same boat, Chris. Okay, we've got the immediate, you know, Cole, obviously, he'll rematch with O'Reilly. Lethal will rematch with Cody. Once they come out of that, unless they hotshot the title back to Cole, which would be a disaster unless Cole re-signs, because it wouldn't be the first time they gave Cole the title as a please stay with us type thing. But Mm -hmm. assuming that doesn't happen, the problem with Cole and Lethal is they're both in the same spot as to what do you do next with these guys? Yeah. You know? Um, I do think that uh, of the two, as I've said before, I just think that Lethal's done everything he can do in Ring of Honor. I think Um, Cole has two. Cole has to, but, like, at least he kind of has, like, his gimmick. There's more you could work with, kind of. Like, at least with, like, what you just said, at least with Cole, like, you know, you brought up a good point because the Bucks kind of, like, left him. At least with Cole, you could have him, like, I don't know, you could even do, like, a Cole Omega match or, like, Cole yeah, finds a Omega leaves. That's the other part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Omega's gone, right. then what? So, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I wish it's hard, man. It's hard to get Ring of Honor news. Sometimes I try to look up stuff online, and it's just so hard to find. I wish that there was a site. Um, well, obviously, I mean, there's there's PW Insider and stuff, but I wish there was a site 
that just just totally dedicated to just Ring of Honor news, but no such site exists. You usually just find sites with like it's a WWE section, and then it's like everything else, like India or whatever, which is fine. So it's really hard to to find the contract statuses. But you did bring up a point earlier. Yes, uh, ACH, he is no longer signed with Ring of Honor, and um, like like I said before, people talk about the mistakes that WWE makes. I really don't understand some of the decisions that Ring of Honor does. Uh, ACH is over. Uh, he's very talented and he's very skilled. And it's like, for whatever reason, they just there's certain dudes that have been in Ring of Honor for a while. And it's like, you don't even give them a scratch at the TV title. But then when some random dude from New Japan shows up, you give him the belt. And it's just like, uh, I don't get it. You know, yeah. like, I like Will Ospreay, I like Ishii, like, those dudes are cool, but they're but not like, Ring of Honor guys, yeah. you know, so it's like, when you give them a push, and then a lot of these Ring of Honor dudes, they see the writing on the wall, and they get the fuck out, they leave, so it's like, you, you Ring of Honor fans can't be that salty when they go to NXT and TNA and find success elsewhere, because, you know, I was an, I was a huge advocate up to Muscle Champa, and they were totally yep. Dolph Ziggler-ing him. They they were like on again, off again, on again, off again, and Champa was like, "Fuck this," and he just left. You know who else is kind of forgotten? And I know he's he's signed more with New Japan, and I know, but I even feel like, and I wasn't a big proponent of him. I I, I didn't see it, but I feel like even Elgin, in such a short period of time, mm-hmm. has become like a forgotten like guy there, like. I know he signed with New Japan, and his appearances mm-hmm. in Ring of Honor will now be more of, like, special appearances. But it's like, how do you let a guy like that get to that point? It's like, I don't know what it is. It's like, there's this just some dudes that, for some reason, they just get lost in Ring of Honor. And so they go elsewhere, and it just works. And you're seeing it more and more. Like, kind of like what NXT's doing. And Ring of Honor's doing the same thing, because guys like Matt Seidel, uh, Elgin, like you just mentioned, more of these guys are, are, are working more New Japan. And then in return, more New Japan guys, they'll show up like one night and then they'll get like a bigger push than some of the Ring of yeah. Honor guys got like in one night. Like the one guy that's really confusing, like he won his match. Uh, Don Castle beat Colt Cabana, so that's cool. Don Castle, to me, he's, he's, the, he's like the weirdest, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, if there's one guy there that I would totally focus the TV title on, it's him. And I don't, I don't know what the fucking holdup is. He's over. Um, he's, he's great. He's fantastic. Ring of Honor needs to treat him like he's important before NXT fucking gets him. Because I was just going to say, he, because he'll be Dalton, a guy that someone in an office will realize, oh, shit, Dalton Castle's contract comes up in three weeks. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And next thing you know, Castle's gone. You've seen the quality of how much they've made Bobby Roode look like a legit superstar, and that's not yeah. me shitting on his TNA shit. Look at the no. entrance he got at TakeOver. Just imagine what his entrance will be the day he finally works WrestleMania. Yeah. So you look at the shit, you look at the stuff they do for Roode, and just imagine the type of entrance that they could give Dalton Castle at a TakeOver or a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So like Ring of Honor, you need to... You need to treat certain dudes like they matter because when you do that, when the contract runs out, they'll say, you know what, these guys, guys treated me really guys good. Don't have, guys don't forget. They don't. They don't, you know. And that was why Sting stayed with TNA for so long because when he was there, they treated him 
like he was important. You know, they gave well, him kind of yeah, like the mini. Also, pretty much threw him the belt any anytime he wanted. Anytime he wanted, they they threw Sting the belt anytime he wanted. They gave him like the undefeated streak at Bound for Glory for a few years. You know, so you know, I'm not mad. You know, so I I get that some some independent fans are upset because it's not just an NXT thing too. Because you know, TNA they very privately amassed a lot of their talent as well. You know, I you got a Bennett's there, uh, David Eddie's there. Moose is there. There's going to be more talents that are going to go there. But at the same time, like, when I see guys like Cedric, when I see guys like uh, Bennett, when I see guys like Champa, when I see them leave Ring of Honor, like, I don't get mad because it's like Ring of Honor just – it was like you, you can clearly see that Bennett, you can make it to a certain level and they don't push you further. Bennett especially, and I don't even think – and you might know better than me. I don't even think they did the match. But do you remember when Bennett was running around with the title of love? It was yeah, like I remember this, that. Okay. I don't, I don't know if they did. I don't think they did. So if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, then my whole argument goes out the window. Okay? Why, I think Jay Briscoe was champ around that time. I think yeah. it was Briscoe. Why, why did they never do a program with Bennett and Briscoe over this? Because... Um... Briscoe was shooting with Cole, and Bennett was in the background, basically. But Bennett's walking around with a title, calling himself the world champion. Even though it is the world champion of love, Bennett's walking around with a title, calling himself a world champion. How does that not piss off, especially a guy like Jay Briscoe, storyline-wise? No, 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 I'm just saying, like, how does that not piss Briscoe off to the point where it's like, yo, you better stop calling yourself, you know, world champion, you know? And Bennett's turned around and be like, no, fuck you. I, I, you know, I am. Like, how does that not, even if it's a short program, how does that not lead to something? Yeah, yeah, they dropped the ball there. Uh, another one, and we talked about it before, was with, uh, with, with Cedric when they had him turn heel by beating Moose's streak, and then they, they paired him up with Veda, but then they didn't do anything with them after that. Right, they were just, yeah. They were just kind of like, there. Didn't they, like, break them up, like, a couple weeks later, like, yeah, you know, he lost, match to, he lost a match to somebody, and then next, you know, she was like, "I'm done with you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and from what I understand, I think Veda, she's gone too. She's gone too. Yeah, I, yeah they're yeah. all gone. I and think. Then, I, I think the only one that's still there is that Mandy Leon chick. Yeah, yeah, she's still. But there. But I think like, oh, and I think Taylor Hendricks is still there. But I think the rest of them, I think Veda's gone. Yeah, I think they're gone. Yeah, and then with Moose, what happened with him was they were pushing him pretty good. Uh, he only lost like once or twice and stuff. Yeah, but then he started losing a little too much. He started well, losing, like. What, what happened to him was, in my opinion, he got the um, he got the DDP push, meaning like um, not not like a uh, 98, 99 DDP. I'm talking like late 96, early 97 DDP, where DDP could work against like up mid-card guys mm-hmm. and like. Mid-card NWO guys, but like if he was in there, like if a Hogan or a Nash or a Hall, he would lose right. every time. But if he like was his, Norton right. or whoever he was, he, he would win. Cutter. Yeah. So, so like with Moose, he was going over like uh, your Castles, your your Roddies, your your Silas Youngs. But if he was in there, like with a Jay Briscoe or an Okada or like someone higher up on New Japan mm-hmm. or Ring of Honor, he would lose, and it became very clear where his spot was. And so I think initially he was going to go to NXT and then things the went background. wrong. The background went bad. And uh, I think he signed a short deal with, uh, 
I mean, he's TNA. Not one year with TNA. Yeah, yeah. I still think he'll be in uh, an I NXT. Think so too. I, I think the fact the, the fact that he didn't sign a long term TNA deal, right? I think pretty much shows right that they would turn around and be like, all right, you know what? Let this die down for a little bit, and let's revisit this in in a year, eighteen months, whatever. Yeah. And you know, come come talk to us then when this is a little bit more out of. I think he'll probably know, be. He'll he'll be uh we'll be seeing him on NXT probably by uh by next summer more than likely yeah. like August September well late late summer that's that's yeah. more that's we, we might be having this conversation with him this time next year yeah yeah, yeah. you know but, uh, about that, that's him. pretty much that's pretty much the uh, status of uh, of final battle so right now uh, again, I'm not really sure about how their tapings work or when their they next show last is Sunday but I can't tell you. Other than Cody working Carino, I don't think they did anything drastic. Right, and as we know, one of the big issues with Ring of Honor, and to me as a fan, like you know, this is this is the main reason right here why like it's so hard to get into Ring of Honor, and this is just the advantage that WWE and even TNA has is that whenever they do a, a pay per view or a show, the next show is a follow up to uh-huh. whatever the pay-per-view they just have. But Ring of Honor, they tape so much stuff in advance that they can have a pay-per-view, and then and the then next show have... is, is like a highlight show of yep. the pay-per-view you just had. And it's like, but you just paid money for this show, so mm-hmm. re- you're showing us the matches that we paid for for free. And then, like, the week after that, or, like, the two weeks after the highlight show, it'll be like a highlight of, like, like since we're at the end of the year now, I'm pretty certain yeah. that the Here's next the two best shows. Of 2016. Yeah, yeah, that's the 2016. So then, by the time that they finally follow up on continuity, it's like three and a half weeks to a month yeah, you, after you're the pay-per-view you aired. You're gonna be into the first of the year. Right. You know, so it takes. It's really hard to like follow Ring of Honor, and that's kind of like one of the advantages that WWE and even TNA has, because whenever they have a big show, the very next show is the follow-up to that. Even TNA does that right when they have Bound for Glory or Lockdown or Slammiversary or whatever show TNA does, the next Impact is a follow-up of that. The only time Impact ever has like a best of whatever is like the last Impact of the year, which is fine, you know, because no one's watching wrestling the last week of the year anyway. You're too busy doing New Year's Eve shit. And the only time WWE has like just stuff like that is like you know like their Slammy shows or you know whatever yeah. the, whatever they call them, you know. So that's that's the as a WWE well, that's the fan. Thing with TNA. Mm-hmm. Total Nonstop Deletion, which airs this Thursday, is the last show taped. So you're looking at the 22nd and the 29th with nothing. So I'm assuming they're going to do like maybe like a two-week best of 2016. Yeah, and that's fine because TNA does. They rarely do stuff like that anyway. But Ring of yeah. Honor, they do it all the time. They'll yeah. do like they'll do the like best of the summer. <laughs> best of the summer, best of it can be like March, and it'll be like the best matches so far. The best it's like, of dude, Lent. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So it's really hard to to like watch Ring of Honor consistently because you're. It's like when you watch your favorite show, whatever your whatever you know, like say for instance, let's take Supergirl in the CW. Say you watch Supergirl, and there's like the mid season finale, and mm-hmm. then the next two episodes are like recaps of what happened like you've already know what happened you Mm -hmm. can just go on wikipedia you know so because of that i don't watch ring of honor as much as i used to because it became because i first i just thought it was something they did every now and then but now i see it's something they do often so it's like okay if that's the case what i'll do then because what i I hate to say this now but what i do with ring of honor now mostly is i'll check out the few results i can find 
And then if they're having like an internet pay-per-view or like a big pay-per-view, I'll try to watch that. But as far as like watching regular episodes, I really don't anymore because it's hard. Because they have so many taped shows that have nothing to do with stories that's being told. Like I think I think you ran about it earlier this year. Like when they did that that thing earlier, when they had Cole, when they had Lethal against Cabana, right? And then Adam Cole was with the Bullet Club, and they took everybody out. And then like the next two weeks were like filler matches. And then when they finally got back on continuity. Jay Lethal was feuding with Jay Briscoe again for some reason. Everyone was like, yep. what the fuck? Like, what the, yep. What does that have anything to do with, like, what? And that what makes it harder for me, I don't have Sinclair here. I don't. And when they lost, at least when they had Destination America. Hang on a second, Chris. Okay. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry about that. Very weird for my wife to be calling me this time. Usually she's on her way home with my son, so when I saw her number come in, I was like, wait, that's not normal. But my okay. son just dialed, just dialed <laughs> the phone. But um, like I was, yeah, like we were saying, like what gets me is at least when they were on Destination America, even though it was a week behind, I could watch it, and. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not saying this because I have this ridiculously crazy life or whatever the case is, but I don't have time to go look online to find, you know, Ring of Honor on, you have to manually look and search for it. What website has it or Mm -hmm. what cable provider has it that I can borrow someone's login who lives in that area to watch it. I don't, I don't have that, that time to put in that kind of effort I'll be honest to look with you. for a wrestling show. I'm, I'm, and again, I'm yeah. not saying that because oh, my life is so you know. Uh, I'm not just a little that. things, you know. It's just, I'll be honest it's, with it's, you. It's the, it's the same reason like... why I can't even get into lucha. I don't have El Rey. Yeah. And I don't have. I don't have the time to go looking for it. So it's like you know, you just find like highlights on yeah. YouTube or like if someone shares a clip like, on Facebook yeah, exactly. or something. You guys post a clip and it's like okay, you know. Cool. Cool. <laughs> you know. I'll be honest with you. Uh, like one thing, and yeah, you know, people you, people can call me like a, a mainstream, casual person or whatever. But like the older you get, the less you have time for certain stuff. And for me personally, when Ring of Honor was on Destination America, and what I liked about it, and again, like if I come off like a casual douche, I, I apologize. But seeing Ring of Honor on my TV was so satisfying because when you watch something on a computer for so long and then you have the privilege of being able to see it on your TV, that can kind of spoil you. You know what I mean? It just it just makes it come off as bigger and more legitimate. Like when I first started watching the WWE Network, I watched it on my computer. And then when I got my PlayStation 3, I was told, hey, you know, there's a WWE Network app on the PS3. And right, since I started... Different. Right, and since I started watching it on, you know, the TV now, I, I don't, I no longer watch the network on a computer. I like the comfort of being able to turn my TV on 
and being able to watch a wrestling show that I want to watch. So when Ring of Honor was on Destination America, it was great because, you know, it was in HD quality. I could turn the volume up and I could hear it just fine, whereas on the computer I have to wear headphones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So when they left Destination America and they went back to, like, whatever they're on now, and when when I was told, basically, like, as as a casual viewer that watched Ring of Honor, when you told me that I had to go from watching it on TV back to watching it on ring of, on, on like a computer, it was like a, a huge like turn off. You know what I mean? It's and, like and it's, you know what I don't get either. To be honest with you, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. New York's a big freaking market. You run probably four of your biggest shows of the year pretty much in my backyard in New York City. And yet it's not How in your area you for some reason. This, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to come off self-important, but I, you, you oh, get I get you. Like, it's yeah, I get you. I, 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 get where, I get where you're coming from. It's basic strategy. Like, that would be like WCW. Not airing in Atlanta. Not having, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Not having Saturday night or worldwide or pro or main event airing in Atlanta. It's weird. And the it, surrounding areas, like Marietta and Fayetteville. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. how do you? How do you not? I just don't. I just don't get it. I just. I just don't. I. I just don't. You know. And I mean, if they would. If they would be on like that. What is that? That Flow TV now. That's gonna kind of broadcast mm-hmm. every other company except Ring of Honor. Yeah. I would have. Yeah. I would have gone in Flow. I would have signed up. Th- for that, that was. That was the deal breaker for me because when I heard about Flow, I was like, okay, and I, I. I was like, you know what? I'm looking for a consistent way to watch Ring of Honor. But when I found out that Ring of Honor wasn't offering Flow, I was like, no, no, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like, and, you know, and to me it's unfortunate because it's bad because like last year, for a brief period, it really felt like Ring of Honor was about to reach a new level. Like it really yeah. felt like they were going to be like an alternative number two. It really felt like it, and then they just went. Like backwards. my wife, my wife's far from a wrestling fan, but my right, my wife understands when I watch Raw and when I watch SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And then one night, I, we, were, we were in bed, and I was watching Ring of Honor when it was on Destination America. And she thought, she didn't know, she thought maybe it was WWE. She was like, oh, this is on a, they're on a third night? I said, no. I said, this is actually a different company. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, they, she was like, well, what makes it different? I said, well, they don't have really, like, the stories and the characters. I said, you know, like WWE does. And, I mean, the conversation was over before it was done with. But it was just the fact that, you know what, okay, maybe not, maybe not my wife's the best person to, to have that conversation with, but, like, my, 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 my sister-in-law's fiancé, who will come over while I'm watching Raw and sit down and watch it with me. But, you know what, what's to say he, he wouldn't have come over on a Wednesday night while Ring of Honor was on, hey, John, what's this? Oh, this is Ring of Honor. Well, how's that different? Well, you know, it's it's a little more no, natural. It's not as – and you know what? Let's just say – I mean, not saying that – I'm not saying my brother-in-law would end up being a, a Ring of Honor fan, but how do you know I don't end up turning him on to it? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you know the next you know, the next week, hey, what channel was that on? Oh, it was on Destination America, you know, whatever channel it was. Oh, okay, I'm going to check it out, you know. Or, hey, is that on demand, you know? Yeah, okay, I'm going to check it out, you know? It's just, it's that's the thing that's so frustrating, and that's why I won't sit down and watch a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, because I feel like 
I'm not going to – it's not about the fact that it's still traditional pay-per-view. And it's not about streaming versus paying for it. But it's like, yeah, sure, I'll know the matches and I'll know the basics. Like, I don't need much explanation for Cody and Lethal. I Mm. get what that is. O'Reilly and Cole, I know what that is mostly through you. You know, you know, with the conversations we've had about Ring of Honor, the Bucks and the Briscoes, I know that's enough to sell me that. But I don't, I didn't necessarily know the entire story of the TV title match. Like, why is Dragon Lee in it? Yeah. You know, like I get why I get why Osprey and Scroll and Fish would have been in it, but why is Dragon Lee in it? You know. Why are the addiction helping lethal? Yeah, that's you know what I'm weird. saying. Like, and, but you know, and uh, you know what I'm saying. Like, you lose that by not having TV access to the product. It's like missing. It's like in Ring of Honor. It's like missing three weeks is the equivalent of missing like three months. You know what I'm saying? Because because so much stuff happens and it's just it's hard. Sometimes stuff like this isn't a big deal to. Uh, hardcore fans, but to casual fans, it can be a deal breaker. I remember when um, SmackDown, they've moved so many days now. Mm-hmm. I think back then they were Friday night. Well, I think SmackDown came on My Network. Was that what it was called? My Network or something like that? My 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 Network, CW, yeah. Yeah, they came on My Network, and I remember at the time uh, SmackDown... It was U- I think it was UPN mm-hmm. for the first couple of years. Then I think UPN switched to My... At least it did here. Right, and right. Then, it was, it was, it and was then like... it jumped to CW. But from it, from what I remember, I think I'm remembering it right. I think UPN switched to my. And okay. then it was whatever the channel was. Here it was nine. So it was I remember, um, yeah. yeah, when it was my, when I was a, a college student and I used to watch uh, wrestling in my dorm room, some of my friends, they knew that like I was into wrestling and they knew that I was like a, a blogger at the time. And so mm-hmm. sometimes my friends will watch it with me. And I remember uh, the deal breaker for them, this was like when HDTV was starting to take off. Like oh, it's, come it's, out. It's, okay. Yeah, it's common now. So but we're, talking back like, then, oh, we're talking like 07, 08 or something. Yeah, yeah, 07-ish kind of. That was kind of like when it started. And I remember when it was on the My Network thing, it was very pixelated. And the yes. HD wasn't out yet. And I remember right. like, when, when the wrestling matches were going on, it was fine. But when guys like the, like Edge or Taker or anyone that had any kind of pyro came out, you couldn't see anything. And I remember a lot of my uh, friends that watched it casually, um, they, they hated watching SmackDown mm-hmm. because of the pixels. Uh, it, was too, it was hard for them to see. So yeah. when SmackDown finally got HD, um, um, a lot of folks started watching then. And um, I know uh, Impact is on Pop TV, and a lot of folks have Pop, but unfortunately, Pop is one of the networks that Pop doesn't is not have. HD. Pop it's not Impact HD. Is, Impact is brutal to watch. Right, right. It is, it's, it is brutal to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it may not seem like that big of a deal, but it actually is when most sports have an HD option now. Not just wrestling, but like basketball, football, baseball, even golf and tennis and stuff. So. When you're one of the few outlets out there that doesn't have HD, it really hurts your your reputation, uh, and it, it hurts the visual. I mean, even when they were on Destination America and Spike, they had HD, and and yeah. so 
you know, so for me, like, for, for me, what I usually do when I watch TNA, I make sure, what I do to make sure it doesn't weird out my eyes too much is I'll usually save TNA for, like, Friday or Saturday because I'm not watching anything wrestling related then. Because if I watch, like, say, NXT or anything WWE related and then watch TNA, it hurts my eyes. You know, because the, the HD to regular screen is just hard on my eyes. Uh, I don't have El Rey Network like you, but I, I don't do have know, El Rey either. Right, but I do know El Rey does have an HD network, and so the clips okay. you find on YouTube and the clips you find online, and the, they are also in HD quality. So even though here's the other most, problem, I don't mean to cut you off. Hmm. Here's the other problem with Impact on Pop with the on demand. I just looked now because I was just curious. This is how far the the on-demand is behind. It's that EC3 Eli Drake match where Drake can't talk. So they're at least three weeks behind. Yeah. Even on their on-demand. So if I missed Impact last night, mm-hmm. I can't even go back and watch it. And that's kind of the advantage that uh, the network has because yeah. as soon as something is over, it's automatically uploaded. And even so if it's not on, and, and even if it's not on WWE Network, it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Almost, yeah. So, yeah, that you know. But the fact that there's no access to ROH, and, and we've gone plenty over, but I don't care. Um, yeah. The, the fact that there's no access to ROH in such a big market like here mm-hmm. is is beyond crazy. I think another option for fans that are curious is uh, and you, you know can what go else into ROH. There's no way to secure their library. Like yeah. I, I've wanted to always see, but I have no way to see it. The show where Danielson and McGinnis left, when they mm-hmm. faced each other, I, it was like the September '09 show, and they were the main event. And I heard that show was phenomenal. Jim Cornette came back at that show. Uh, I think Steen did. Uh, there was some progress in the Steen storyline. And I can't find that show anywhere. You have to uh, you have to go online and find DVDs and stuff. I know one of the hardest one of the hardest shows to find. Um, I remember Dave Meltzer went over this on uh, one of his newsletters last year, where he did like a top ten list of some of the hardest shows to find. It was like number three, the show where uh, CM Punk lost the Ring of Honor title. You know the conclusion. To, to, to the oh, summer, summer of punk, punk, where it was, a, it was like a four-way, where it was like it was punk against Joe, against Daniels, against uh, Jamie Noble. Noble, that's right. Noble, Noble, Noble. right. The, the whole story, like there's, there's like a DVD collection out there called the Summer of Punk that like entitles mm-hmm. everything, like when he won, when he said mm-hmm. he was leaving. Really, really good stuff. And the only way you can get it is like you gotta get the DVD package, and it's so hard to find. And I remember like someone on YouTube had actually, like, did a highlight version of the DVD. It was, like, a 10-minute video, and it was really well done. And then it was fucking removed from YouTube, and I was like, fuck. And I think someone put it on Daily Motion, and it's, it's probably there because Daily Motion is, like, it's kind of like the MySpace of social media kind of got yeah. talking about. But it's still there. Like, it's, it's, it's probably one of the safest places to upload something because no one's looking at Daily Motion anymore. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's really hard to find certain stuff. Um, I think uh, to any fans listening, uh, if you wanted to watch Ring of Honor, you can go on their website 
And when you go on the website, how it works is you can watch whatever the most recent episode was, but in order for you to watch any episodes you want, you have to become a ringside member, which requires you to uh, pay money, which is fine, but if you're a casual fan, you may not be willing to spend money on something you're not familiar with yet. So it's just kind of one of those things. It's kind of like a job, sort of. Like, it's hard to get in. Once you're in, you're in, but, like, getting in is hard for a casual becoming, fan. Becoming, and we've said it before, when it becomes work to become a fan of something, yeah, it's it's not worth it. It's not. So um, it's just it's just hard. I, I want and, Ring and, of and Honor to be fair, to be fair, um, you know, I know the network's going to be three years old this year. I'm not just saying that because of how easy the network has become. I've felt that way before the the network and even the concept of the network. It's, you know, if I got to spend three hours looking for something that's going to last nine minutes, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and hey, don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, before the network, before I got married, I went out of my way to have every single pay-per-view event ever on DVD. And I'm talking like some of the hard ones, you know, mm-hmm. like, like the Taker Hogan Judgment Day pay-per-view that is ridiculous to find. The initial in your house, you know, like the, some of the, you know, in your house are really hard to get your hands on. Oh, I'll tell you which one is really hard. You won't realize how hard it is until you have to search for it. Try to find the one, I think it was called Canadian Stampede. Yeah, the, the, that, June, the July 97 one. That one is really, really hard to find for some yeah. reason. I guess because I it's... It. Yeah. It. Why, why is that one so hard to find? Is it because it was in Canada? No, the problem was with the In Your Houses, they didn't release all of them here. A lot of them were done, that silver, that European version of like VHS at the time. Mm-hmm. So if they did, I'm just going to throw a hypothetical number out. Let's say they did... 100,000 silver versions of it. They did 20,000 regular VHS versions of it. That's why it's especially with the in your houses, they are so hard to find. That's what it was. It was it was that Coliseum, it it was still at the tail end of the Coliseum video mm-hmm. um run and they just, for whatever reason, they catered them more to the European markets than they did here. And what made them even better, the VHS, is you got the whole the whole card. So you just didn't get the hour and 40-minute pay-per-view. You got all the matches that that also happened mm-hmm. with, with on the shows. Like, there's one of them, there's like three dark matches. One of them was like Taker Gold Dust. I forget which one it was. Uh, yeah, and it's like, okay, like, n- none of these matches were never on TV, and you got them on the on the VHS version of it. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, trust me, I spent, I spent about a year and a half getting them, getting them. And and getting them converted to DVD, and then I made some. I'm not gonna lie, I, I made some serious money on some of the oh, actual original oh. VHS versions of them. Oh, oh I believe you, because they're so and uncommon, especially not, if you still have the box. Cool. Yeah, 
those I had the box, but you know what else? I, I hate to say this. This is probably so bad. You know what I made a shitload of money off of on eBay? Oh, what? The original pay-per-view recording of Over the Edge 99 and oh, Raw the Night After. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah, I know. <coughs> Actually, I, uh, I didn't for intend some reason... to. In all fairness, I didn't intend to. What happened was I was talking to somebody. We were going to trade. Mm-hmm. stuff instead of me buying from him him buying from me and we had just gone over like everything we had and for whatever reason i didn't do it intentionally but when i was writing my list of like everything i had i included that you know i recorded over the edge on vhs as it aired the original airing not the replay mm-hmm. and i put down that i had that and oh. i got asked do you have the raw and i said yeah and he's like, "I'll give you a hundred bucks for a copy of both." Did you just, like, did you just like, did you just like to record stuff back then? Yeah, well, that's what I did. My, I would order it on pay per view, and, and I would record it. it. I would right. record it. You know, especially like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. I was mm-hmm. twenty, twenty one, twenty two, so I was just starting to like go out and stuff. So like, especially on Sunday nights during, you know especially during the summer where you knew there were places that were going to be, you know, stuff going on. It was like, ah, oh, you know what? All right, 8 o'clock, I ordered the pay-per-view, I hit record, I'm out the door. So I had, I still have it at my parents' house, I have, like, a record, like, everything from, like, 97. Hmm. <sighs> we're similar then. We have, uh, we're, we're similar then. everything on VHS. And then, my dad depending on what everything. the events were, Depending on what the event was, I determined if I recorded it in the early 90s. Like, I recorded all the big fours, the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam. But, like, I wouldn't do the King of the Ring for whatever reason. I just felt like I could watch the highlights of that on Raw. And I, I didn't do it. I regret not doing it. Like, I never did, like, Tuesday in Texas. Or anything like that. So, like, I had I had the big four pay-per-views. Then I eventually started, you know, the in-your-houses I kind of played by ear. Like, eh, no, this is no good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, except for when I was on my kick that Diesel was going to lose the title every month. Oh, he's going to lose to Sid, and then Sid's going to lose to Michaels. Okay, let's record it. Oh, he's going to lose to Mabel, and then Mabel's going to lose to Michaels. So let's record it. But... <laughs> I didn't, but like 97 is when, like, when Austin really started taking off. I was like, you know what, I just want everything. And that's what I, that's what I did. But the in your houses were a little harder to find, but like, what you call it, like, all the big stuff, like the King of the Rings, the Rumbles, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, yeah, yeah, WrestleMania, I, I did all that stuff. And I just, I took the time, I bought myself back in like 2007, I bought myself a, a VHS to DVD converter. And I just started converting everything. I would just let stuff run. Like, even if I was going to sleep, I'd let it run in my living room. You know, I knew the DVD had enough time for it to run. And boom, I would just convert all my shit over. You know, but but some of those in your houses, I paid pretty pretty penny to get, and I sold them off for a pretty penny. And like I said, I feel bad, but I actually made a pretty decent amount of change on Over the Edge. <laughs> I mean... It wasn't like anyone knew what was going to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, I had plenty of fight with eBay over it. Because <laughs> e- e- eBay was like, there's no serial number. And, yeah, I was like, uh. 
you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I know one yeah. show that's really hard to uh, find online is uh, the the uh, the the tribute Raw they did for Eddie. You can find that, but there is a tribute SmackDown. Yeah, that, that tribute the SmackDown, SmackDown is, is, is hard to find. Yeah, yep. you can find clips on it. I, I think what I found on YouTube was uh, Batista's speech at the beginning, and you can find bits and pieces. I feel pieces like you of, can't find the matches. I feel like you could find the tribute clips, but yeah. I feel like you can't find the matches. Like I can't tell you the last time I saw that Triple H Benoit match. Yeah, when Malenko Chavo, comes out at the end. Yeah, and then there's the Chavo JBL Chavo match. JBL. Those are good matches. Michael's Ray was was that on Raw? Michael's Ray was that Raw or was that SmackDown? I think that was SmackDown. It could have okay. been Raw. I'm not. I'm not sure. They taped, I, you know what it is? They taped everything that night. That one night. Mm-hmm. They taped I, everything I, I on that Sunday night. And this is what this is what's the most messed up too. This is how I remember this the most. I remember Cena and Orton's first meeting was on that show. On on WWE that is not counting OVW, that was their first meeting. Uh, that was their ever. first match. Yes, yes, that was their first match ever. Was on the uh, the Eddie tribute show. It was the main event. It was Cena Orton, and there was some type of uh, some finish happened. I forgot what it was. And then um, huh. it wasn't a long match. And then Cena left his. Uh, Did he, he leave the, the belt on Eddie's car or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their first actual match. It was it was and it's so forgettable. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, because of you know the sadness and stuff. But I remember that vividly. I think um, I think Angle had a match with Shelton. That was on Raw. Uh, I think Big Show and Kane had a match against Miz and Morrison, right? I think they did. No, Miz and Morrison weren't around in '05. Okay, well, Kane and Big Show had a match against someone. Who was it? They had a match uh, against a, a tag team. I can't think of it though. I mean, you're right though. Miz and Morrison weren't around, but no. I remember they were in the first match though on Raw. Yeah. Could have been if it if it was oh five it might have been like Kate and Murdoch or La Resistance. Okay, it was maybe it like, was them. You know, I'm just trying to think like who the teams were in oh five. The Spirit Squad weren't there yet. They were there mm. more towards the end of the year. And yet, yeah, Miz and Morrison, um, I don't even. I, I, Morrison wasn't even on the roster. Miz might have been floating around, but mm. Morrison wasn't on the roster yet. Yeah, but uh. That uh, that that's that Eddie SmackDown one is really hard to find, hmm. and uh, another show that's really hard to find is the um, which one is it? Um, the the full the full Benoit show. I have it. I recorded it. I went out. The, the raw. You you have that I'm, one. I have it at my parents' house. I went out. I I can I can remember everything about. I was on my way. Mm-hmm. I was on my way to my 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 wife's house at the time and I set it up to record and I was driving there and a buddy of mine tech uh called me and he said yo Benoit died I was like what do you mean they're like yeah Benoit died it it, um they're what you call it they uh, are investigating it like they think it was they think him and his wife and his son were murdered or they think it's a it was a gas leak in the house I heard that. That was what I, was I first like, heard. I, was like, I first oh, heard it was fuck. a gas leak. I was like, all right. I was like, I'm recording real anyway, because that was supposed to be like the McMahon funeral. Right. And the rumor was like Linda was going to be arrested at the end of Raw. So I was like, let me record that. And uh, I, I came here for dinner, and I left. I left. I, I, I just I, I was like, all right, I'm going to go home. 
and I caught the tail end of it. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I didn't know what CNN was starting to report and Nancy Grace yeah. was starting. I didn't know till like the next day when I went on like I went on like Yahoo or AOL, and it started coming out that like, you know, they were look what they were looking at this as, and I was like, holy shit! What I so know what a, I lot did of, was, uh, a lot of a lot of conspiracy. What I did was a tribute. Remember the VHS thing had that little tab that if you pulled it out made it unrec you couldn't record over it again. Right. Yeah, I remember I, that. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. That's the first thing I did. I said, "This is going to be something." And I, pulled, a, I pulled it out. There's a lot of uh, crazy conspiracies about that raw, and uh, and they were like going over time. So I'll make this the last one for me. Is um, what I remember about the show, and sometimes, like we said before. When you watch stuff with casual fans, they notice stuff that um, a hardcore fan won't notice. And I remember um, when I heard about the Benoit thing, that was I was at summer school at the time taking a math class. And I remember um, there was a big TV outside the uh, student center where I was at. It must have been about like 9.05 a.m. in the morning. And uh, we saw the headlines on CNN, and we were just kind of like, what the fuck? Because the math teacher, was a, he was a wrestling fan, too. He had, like, an NWO shirt in his office. Uh, that was, like, probably the hardest test I ever took in my life, because mm -hmm. I remember when I got the news, I had a test, like, literally five minutes after that. My brain was just gone. Yeah. And, um, and then after that, um, later on that night, I went back to the dorm with uh, a lot of my friends, and we watched the uh, the Benoit tribute thing on Raw. And um, there was something that one of my best friends noticed, and he was a casual fan. He noticed it. And I remember Dave Meltzer actually mentioned it um, like two years ago. And he noticed that when you watched the Benoit tribute Raw, like the first, because that was a three-hour special, if I recall. Yeah. yeah. And when you look at the first two hours, I know where you're going um, the, with this. The wordage of JR was more about like um like uh pray for for Benoit and the family and stuff. But then like on the third hour it's it was like Nancy and Daniel. Yeah, Nancy and Daniel. It was almost as if like somewhere between they the ten to eleven slot they, they found out. And then there's the uh the stuff with Regal where like if you look at Regal's Facial expressions. Yeah, like he, like he knew, like he clearly he knew what was about to go down. Either he knew already what was going to happen, or he he knew. Period. Um, because his facial expressions totally told the story that yeah. he knew more than what he was That's willing just, to say. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I remember we did. I remember Jay did, and I know I I want to say you you were on it. I remember when we did that like two and a half hour special about it. I think it was like yeah. a five year anniversary of it. And I remember, I think he had Bill Pritchard on. And I remember me and Pritchard got into it because Pritchard was like, they should have stopped and sent guys out there. And I remember I said it to Pritchard because I listened to it every now and then. I listened to that episode every now and then. And I remember saying it to him. I'm like, how do you – first of all, Vince should not have been the one to announce what, what was breaking and what happened. It, it wasn't. You know – what people forget about that is you want to talk about the ultimate we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't scenario. It's the Benoit show. It really is. You know, you know, what do you do? 
I, I always have stood my ground that Vince should not have been the person to break the news that Benoit murdered his wife and his son. I, I'm sorry. I stand by that. And I remember Pritchard's like, well, you can go in the locker room and just start sending guys out. I'm like, guys were an emotional mess. I was like, how are you going to sit there and tell guys to go out in an empty arena and have a match? He's like, well, you would find out who you have on your roster. I said, bullshit. I said, I'd be more pissed if they held that against somebody who said, no, I can't do this right now. You know, and you're right about the verbiage. The verbiage changed. Regal and even Chavo looked a little off going mm-hmm. back at it with his with his tribute, which I mean everything that came out about with Chavo later, you know, with the text message. But even then, Chavo was another one like Regal who was like, totally you knew, looking yeah. back on it, looking back on it, it was like, yeah, he knew, you know. But then you look at a guy like Punk, who was devastated because, A, he wanted to wrestle him the night before, mm-hmm. and then, B, you could tell Punk had, like, no clue what the fuck was about to come out. Yeah. You know? It was weird because I remember uh, it was it was some really hard-to-find interview. It wasn't even a podcast. It was a radio show. Uh, I think it was during his, his title run as champion where um, they asked him, like, weirdest things that have ever happened to him in the business. And uh, he said that he got a call from Benoit, like, the day before it supposedly happened. Because I remember... Uh, Who's this, he said, Punk? Yeah, Punk. He got a call from Benoit because he said mm-hmm. that Benoit was checking on his neck. Because uh, I remember Benoit worked with uh, Pope, Elijah yes. Burke. And Punk that worked was with... Uh, yep. I Morrison. Yeah, yeah, right. And Punk worked with um, Marcus Corvan. Was that his name? No, Punk worked Morrison. No, they both worked matches that led up to their match. Remember, right. it was a yeah. it was a tournament. Yeah, that was I think who Ben yeah, Punk beat. Morrison. Yeah, so Punk, Punk beat Morrison to qualify. Punk fight? beat Morrison to qualify, and Ben okay. beat uh, Burke. Okay, okay, right. Well, I remember Punk said he had he had neck issues, and because Benoit had experienced the neck issues, he would call people to let to, to check in on them, and he yeah. said that Benoit had called him. I think the day before, because that was Night of Champions, right? Yes. Yeah, so that would have been a Saturday, according to Punk's mm-hmm. story, when Benoit called him. And if you do the math, then according to the story, then by that point, if Punk's, if I'm getting my math, is, if my math is correct, then according to what Punk was saying, when Benoit called him, Nancy would have already been dead, right? That's if she died, the belief. Right, right. And then uh, Hardcore Holly, I think he said sometime that uh, he was supposed to visit Benoit that Sunday. I forgot why. I know they were good friends, and he was supposed to visit. And uh, I think he was on Jericho's podcast. He was on someone's podcast. It was Jericho. He was on Jericho's recently. He was right. on Jericho's recently, so maybe it was that one. Yeah, he said he was supposed to visit Benoit because they were like traveling buddies. And, mm-hmm. and then Jericho said that... Uh, it's a good thing you didn't, because if he had gone, maybe he would have been killed too. And um, Chavo, he's already told his story. I, I know Chavo talked about uh, Hollywood how, would have been killed, or ho- God knows what Hollywood would have discovered in that house. Yeah, who knows? You know. And then uh, there was the Chavo story, where Chavo said that Benoit called him and told him he loved him, and then hung up abruptly. Um, the one that got me probably the most underrated uh, story 
it's probably Angles. I think if anyone could have um, could have prevented something, it would have been Angle. I think uh, Angle said he had a conversation with uh, this is an interview he had on YouTube where uh, he was clearly you could tell Angle was on something. He was <laughs> he was on some PCP or something. He or he was on some meds. It's on YouTube. It was like a, it's a shoot where Angle's talking about Eddie and he's talking about Benoit. It looked like it took place probably sometime in either 2009 or 2010. And the shoot, he talks about the fight he got in with Eddie, where Eddie would just be hot and cold, like in his last days, because of the pain he was going through with his heart and stuff like that. And and the story Angle talked about uh, how he would work matches with Eddie, and sometimes they would be really good, and sometimes they would stink up the joint, and how it was, you know, messing with him professionally, and how one time he just kind of got in Eddie's face, and they just kind of started wrestling each other, and Big Show broke them up, but in that same shoot, uh, Angle said that one time he talked with Benoit, and uh, Benoit told him that um, he was going to snap because it was like uh, Father's Day and he couldn't spend time with his son. And uh, Angle was telling him that he should take time off, but Benoit was such a perfectionist that he just wouldn't allow himself to take time off. And uh, Angle was telling him that, look, man, it doesn't matter how much you love the job, you should love your family more, because when you're not and, on the and road... You know what's weird? You know what's weird about Benoit? Hmm. He was actually... He took off part of 06 and 05. He, you know, I, you know, hmm. he was gone, I think, the tail end of 05, and even part of 06, which is, which is crazy, where it's like, you know, in less than two years, you've taken two extended... How... You know, like, it becomes crazy. Like, how bad off was he? You know, how much deeper did, how deep did this actually run that, you know, guys don't get one break in two years. You get, you got two. Mm. <laughs> you know, and you, he's still shot to shit, you know? He, you know, man, I, I, I it's hard, man. People don't want to talk about him anymore, but. From an in-ring standpoint, he's still my favorite wrestler of all time. Hey, I'll but be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. It's my favorite live moment ever. Right, right, him, right. And no, it's not the hug. It's right before it, the whole garden chanting tap. When he yeah. had Hunter in the cross face, I, I, and that place is yelling tap, tap, tap. That was just, I mean... There, that if there was ever a place ready to explode for something, it was that. And when it actually happened, it was like holy shit. And then the the Eddie thing was just the icing on the cake. You know, everyone talks about oh, the moment with Eddie was the one. No, you had to get to that moment with Eddie, and that him getting Hunter to tap out the fact. The fact that Hunter was willing to tap out to him. You know, everyone not so much forgets, but forgets the value of it. Michaels was in that match. Michaels could have easily taken the fall. Could have taken the fall to protect either one of them. I remember we were thinking because the poster for Backlash came out. And the Backlash was in Edmonton. And Benoit was on the poster. And we were like, all right, maybe Michaels is in this match. He'll take the pin. And then Benoit will get the one-on-one match at Backlash in Edmonton. Okay, no problem. You know, and when when he when he beat him, you know, like I said, this was not this was not '03 Hunter, but this was still 2004 Hunter. <laughs> you know, this was a big 
deal to get Hunter to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, Benoit was the last guy, and I know he got some wins on him on Raw after, you know, later in the year and towards the end of the year. But if you really think about when Hunter was on, and we've talked about it a million times, that the, that what seemed to be destroying WCW kick, the one guy he didn't get was Benoit. Well, for some reason, he, he genuinely seemed to like Benoit. And yeah. for for some reason, no one else got that respect. I guess you would have to talk to Triple H about that. Um I know Aaron is a huge Triple H uh, mark, and I notice that every time I call out Triple H for something, he just has, like, a a counterpoint, except for the punk stuff, which he has, like, no answer for. You know, I've I've invited Aaron to a debate on several occasions, and he just kind of keeps dancing around it, kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything Triple H does, like, at, at this point, like honestly, I feel like NXT is his redemption. I feel like he's genuinely, oh, yeah. I feel like and he's he, genuinely doing this to cater to fans as an apology for all the shit and, he's and done. And even if you look at what he, who he, you know, if you look at his last couple of years of of working in the ring, mm-hmm. he put over Brian. Him and Evolution put over the Shield. Mm-hmm. All right, the Sting thing, what the fuck? But even and I know whatever, but he still. Try as he might put over Roman, he's probably going to put over Rollins. He didn't put over Ambrose at Roadblock, but the entire European tour post-WrestleMania, he was putting over Ambrose. So I agree with you. This is kind of like, all right, I was a dick. Now I'm. this is right. my way of saying I'm sorry. Right. You know, my and thing that's was, fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like, that's cool. My <laughs> thing with Aaron is I just wish that he would admit that sometimes, like, okay, like, if you don't, if you don't like punk, that's fine. Like you know, mm-hmm. that's cool. Anyone can have their own their own preference. And I think Triple H was on uh he was on Jericho's podcast and I know Triple H said and and I see where he's coming from. He said that um everything he did with Punk from like twenty eleven to twenty twelve was to get him over. His words. And if you look at everything podcast, yeah. Right, and if you look at everything that he's done since Punk left, like, you can see Triple H is, uh, he's grooming certain dudes, and then when they get to a certain point, he works with them, and they get over. Like, mm-hmm. the Shield turned on the authority, he worked with them, and the Shield beat Evolution twice, so he got them over. Uh, he tried, in his mind, he, he played ball with Vince and did what he could, in his mind, to help Roman get over. It didn't work, but he still did. He still did what his he job. You know, he he worked with Brian to 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 get him over for to feel good story. And he he so, would have put Punk over at thirty. That's the right. thing that drives me crazy with Punk. He would have put Punk over. But the he problem would've. though is he would have put Punk over. The problem though, and this is where Triple H messed up. What he never really got was Punk was already over, and he didn't need to work with him at that particular point in time. That Night of Champions match, whatever it was they did, and that walkout angle they did afterwards, that was not needed. Punk did not need to work with Triple H. He didn't need to lose Triple H. He, he was didn't need already to lose at 2011. Over. I agree with you on that. But you know right. what? You know what everyone forgets about Punk in t- at the end of 2013, 2014? He was damaged goods at that point because mm. of, the f- of all the shit with Axel and Ryback and Heyman. So you know what? He punk wanted 
And I honestly believe there were there would have been plans to somehow get Punk and Brian involved for the title. I'm sorry, I'm not. Uh, maybe oh, that I comes agree off with you. as apologies for Hunter that and for Vince and everything like that. I think you know, you say what you could say what you want about how they fucking didn't see anything coming with the Rumble and how stupid the Batista thing was. That's fine, but you you know what? And P- P- Brian and the Wyatts and and Brian only working Wyatt on that Rumble, that's fine. Yeah, they totally fucked that up. But I honestly believe, and I have said this from day one, that back in 2014, that I honestly believe when they say there was a plan. And the problem is, Mr. Fucking Impatient and Self-Righteous didn't want to play ball with it. And I understand that he was upset and bitter about 2011, because he's right. Night of Champions should have never happened. The minute he couldn't wrestle Nash, you should have put him in, you should have put him in the triple threat match with Cena and yeah. Del Rio even. That yeah. would have made more sense. There was no need for the match with him and Hunter. And then and him it and what Hunter... made it more awkward, and that wasn't even what made it awkward. What made it awkward for me was the fact that Triple H basically came out of retirement to work with him and then went back to not working until Taker came back. That, to me, was the most tacky part of it. They worked a couple of tag matches. And they even teamed up and they put over Awesome Truth. Yeah, I remember that much. I remember that much. And and listen, I'll give Punk that. You want to sit there and say, I don't understand why we did that. I don't understand, you know, why I had to work you at 2011 and much less put you over because they added that stupid stipulation that a Punk won. Triple H was out of power, and then a week later, Hunter and Punk are best friends. You know, can I wear your blazer? You know, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that was the injury bug that happened uh, last year. Or not last year. The injury bug that was going on late last year and earlier this year. I feel like if Punk had stayed, he would have gotten um But Punk would have been there before it. They could have done – they could have still gotten Brian into that title match at Mania, and then one or two things could have happened. You could have had him and Brian put on a series of title matches based on mutual respect, or you could have turned Punk again and had Punk work with Brian. And you know what? Let's see if Mr. Self-Righteous would have finally put somebody over without bitching and screaming about it. Because he sits there and talks about this one needed a chance, that one needed a chance, this one deserves a better spot. But you know who never put them over? He didn't. But you know who did? The choir boy that he constantly makes fun of. And that's where I have zero, and I love to I think, but you yeah, know I what? Think where that's it comes where down Punk to, is out of his fucking mind. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think what it really comes down to is where, where both parties are responsible of guilt. For Triple H, for me, I think where it really comes from, and we talked about this like way back on your old show, Beer and Money, uh, or was it Oh You Didn't Know Radio? One of those two shows. Yeah. We, we, I don't want. Uh, we talked about before how for most of Triple H's career, he attaches himself to, like, whatever What's is the hot? most relevant thing at the time. Right. And and sometimes when he does it, it works because it's, it, it could be someone that he's been involved with, but sometimes he does it against people. There's no need. And that, I, that, Chris, right. I agree with you. I agree right. with you. There was no reason for him to latch on to Punk in 2011. And, and what made no the Punk thing so it. weird, right, and what made the Punk thing so weird for me was I remember this vividly because this was like when I was very close to not watching WWE. I was, because late 2009 was just so bad, but then when they announced that Brett was coming back, I was like, cool, you know, because I'm a huge Brett mark. Mm-hmm. And I remember during that period of time, uh, 
Triple H and Sean were they were doing their DX stitch. Uh, I think that was like their last run as a tag team, actually. Yeah. And um, I remember during the build-up to the Rumble, that was when uh, Sean was trying to win so he could fight Taker because mm-hmm. Taker was the was the world champion at the time. And I remember that was during the period of time when they kind of stopped caring about the brand thing where, like, Raw guys would show up on SD and, like, nobody really said anything. And yeah. I remember that was when Punk was doing the whole straight-edge straight society edge. thing. Yeah. And I remember, I think they had, like, one tag match. And I remember at the they time, did. like... It was, it was the Raw where the Raw crew couldn't get back because there was a problem. I think Wasn't that like a volcano vol- or something? The volcano eruption. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah, pulled yeah. the SmackDown guys to Raw. And I think... I don't think it was a tag match. I think Hunter worked Punk or Gallows in right. the main and, event. And what I remember is they had, like, a, a promo exchange. And, yeah. Uh, it was pretty good. And I remember at the time... Fans were like, hey, you know, let's just make this a... Because, you know, like sometimes you put people like on like a, a, a temporary feud to build to Mania or something like yeah. that. It wasn't like Punk was doing anything at the moment anyway. But I remember at the time it was like, let's let's see something there. And it was just for that one week because of the issue you just said. And then after that, they just kind of went back to business as usual. I think Punk was feuding with Mysterio or was Mysterio about to feud with Mysterio. Show. Right, and then Triple H just kind of went on to uh, feuding Sheamus, I yeah. believe. Yes. Yep, he worked Sheamus so, in Mania, yep. R- right, right. So I think from Triple H's standpoint, and it even goes back to the um, – see, the thing about Triple H is, like, I'll give him all the credit in the world now because clearly he does his homework now. He he pays attention to the independents now. He knows the, He knows who these folks are now. Like, he knows who they are now. But at that particular point in time – he clearly didn't. Because oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. You put Hunter's mind now with Punk? Oh, forget it. Punk's the biggest star ever in the history right, of the right. business. And it's I, just very yeah. apparent that back then he didn't because it all goes back to that Survivor Series match where it was like uh, the Hardys, DX, and Punk and against Punk. Raiders. Right, and when they were doing their DX thing, the fans were chanting CM Punk the whole time. And you could see Sean, he was cool with it. He was like, whatever. But you yeah, could but see Triple H. Yeah, but even Hunter brought him over to do the the, do the he brought, three. He brought and he him said, over. He made Punk say, are you ready? You know, so, I mean, I mean, everyone talks like, oh, Hunter was. But you know what? Hunter could have completely ignored him. And instead, Hunter brought him in on it. Like, right. I'm, I'm sure backstage Hunter might have had like a what the fuck was that, you know? Right. But as far you, as like you can tell like, he just didn't, he didn't know. Bury, he didn't bury Punk like Punk and other people make it out to be. He did Right. To, to me, I just took it more as a, at that particular point in time, he just didn't know and wasn't aware of right. how over Punk was. Right. He, he wasn't aware then. He wasn't aware in 2011. But if you took his mind right. now he would be like, okay, let's do business. So I think what Triple H needs to do from his standpoint is there needs to be an acknowledgement from him that but in I, that but period but of time point. he fucked up. I think he was going – I think that's what that was all about. And right. the problem and so Punk, is Punk instead of just sitting there it. soaking and sitting in a corner and bitching, knock on Hunter's door and say, listen, i got to talk to you, okay? What are we doing here? And you know what? Maybe Hunter would have surprised him with his answer and said, listen, this is the plan. I want to put you over at Mania, and I want to use that, you know, to kind of reestablish you, okay, because of how we fucked up last year, you know, yeah. with, you know, with the stuff with you and Heyman and Curtis Axel and Ryback. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to eventually, 
We're going to keep you apart from Daniel Bryan for a couple months, but we're going to do that on purpose because then eventually, maybe towards the end of the year or the summer or whatever, we want to bring you two together for a real big title feud. We kind of want you guys running neck and neck with each other. Pardon the pun for Brian. You know, but... Uh I was kind of confused in 2013 because... In 2013, sure, he was losing a lot, but there's no way you can't tell me he wasn't making money. So right. in 2013, oh, don't you were money shit with him. Lesnar, Jericho. That's another thing like, he's a fucking hypocrite about. He worked you know, like, oh, he worked oh, like oh, I don't need a dime, but why didn't I get the same amount of money as so-and-so? But, hey, I don't need a dime. I'm, I, I'm, I'm rich. I saved my money. You know, but, oh, my payout wasn't, yeah. Money with him is a whole different thing. But if he would have sat there, and Hunter said it. Hunter said it in the Austin interview. He was paranoid. And you know what? Hunter's 100% right. Because you even listen to that interview with Cabana, you could tell. Even to if be you're the fair, a post- lot of folks have said similar stuff. Like Goldberg said that the first time he left, paranoid. Yeah, but Goldberg, Goldberg dealt with a different animal in Triple hmm. H. Back then, remember, remember the Armageddon incident where Hunter pretty much danced around backstage and told Goldberg straight up, you're never getting this again. So you know what? If I'm Goldberg, I'm never going to get a world title. The plan is for me to put over Brock Lesnar. Why am I going to stay after my contract's up? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Hunter was a dick then, but, you know, me there's no... Me, me personally, as a, as a punk fan, uh, back then... Um, I was okay with him losing to The Rock. We've already talked about the Rock Cena thing. That was not a good move. Yeah. It should have been a triple threat. But I forgave it because he fought Taker, even though the the feud was rushed. It was still a good moment for him. And I was even okay with with the with the Punk Lesnar stuff. That was a good match. And in my opinion, that was really the last match Lesnar was really trying, to be honest. But mm-hmm. uh, I like that match. Yeah, I felt Punk should have gone over there. Right. I felt Punk should have gone over Lesnar. You know, I felt, and this is this just to show that, you know, when I speak out so much against Punk, how much I was for him, go back and listen to those PWP busted open, you know, whatever the fuck Jay was calling them shows. I said yeah. Punk losing to Rock was fucking criminal. It was right. criminal. You know, and, you know, I know I, Punk said he got it, which, good for him. Mm-hmm. You know, but... I, I liked his understand. match with... with, with uh... With, with, with Lesnar, after after Lesnar, that was when it became clear to me. Because everyone, every fan, because some fans kind of knew. After Lesnar, for me as a fan, that's when it seemed like he was done. I remember, uh, who did he fight, man? I think it was, um, there was one Raw he had, dude. It was like fucking punk. He was fighting somebody. I don't know who he was fighting. I don't know if he was fighting the Wyatt family or if he was fighting, like, Ryback and Axel, he was fighting somebody, whoever he was fighting, the Usos came to his aid. The Usos saved them. They were baby faces. Oh, it shit. Was, it was, when was that? That might have been the Wyatts. Yeah, he was fighting somebody, and I remember the Usos saved them. And you know, like, when the camera zooms out, like, when someone comes in to save you, and so the camera, like, focuses on who's running in. Sometimes, like, fans in arenas will take pictures of, of like, what's going on in the ring, when the camera's not on it. And uh, someone took a picture of Punk, and, like, it went viral. Like, I remember the look on his face. You could you could just tell at that point, like, he just didn't want to be there. 
And um, that was kind of when I knew. I, I I never made a post about it because I thought, like, you know, I thought I was. What did he look like? Like Jesus, fuck! Why are they coming out? He just looked tired. Like he didn't want to be there. You know, like you, you know how sometimes you know, there might be a day where you just go looked, to work yeah, or you looked, just go to school. You, you want to know when to me he looked like he was just going through the motions when the Wyatts kidnapped Daniel Bryan, and then he did the follow up interview on SmackDown. And he was just like, I don't know where Daniel Bryan is. <laughs> you know? Like, just the way he answered it was like, dude, you were just teaming with the fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then he, then he covered it up. He's like, I'm more upset about who sent the shield out to get me. Well, okay, that's fine and all, but why don't you give a fuck about the guy who was just helping you? Because maybe he can help you this time, too. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there was... Well, it's when it became apparent. I do agree with you, though. Uh, I remember that very vividly. Uh, and to his credit, like, the thing about Punk was he would do stuff to, like, to – what he would do was he would do things to to give notice, and he would do things to put eyes on a certain person. But he was the kind of guy that would meet you halfway. Like, I remember you brought it up to my attention back then was uh, after they did that really good match with uh, Ziggler and Del Rio, the double turn, and Punk came mm-hmm. back that same night at Payback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punk was talking about how Del Rio was avoiding Ziggler and how uh, Ziggler deserved another shot. And uh, when Punk was doing his pipe bomb stuff, uh, he al- he would always mention Tyson Kidd for, for some fucking reason. I guess he just liked Tyson Kidd. Mm-hmm. So Punk would, like, he would name drop in promos, and he would do things, to make fans pay attention to a guy yep. they may have not have been. But at the same time, it wasn't like he would go in there and put him over. It's the same criticism Bret Hart would right. get because Bret would always put over Austin, but he never fucking lost to Austin. Yep. Austin still got over, but he never put over Austin once. So it's kind of nope. like, what the fuck? Austin the only thing- has, as far as TV goes, Austin only has a DQ win over him. Yeah. That's at the In Your House after WrestleMania, uh, what was that, 13, whatever? Right, that, right. He's only got a DQ win over him. That's it. So yep. I remember the coolest thing Punk ever did. I remember when he fought. Uh, I remember one random Raw he fought Darren Young, and I remember they had like a eight minute match, and he actually let Darren hit his finisher on Punk. So I was like, that's cool. But Punk still won. Yeah. So um, that's why I, I lose it with Punk. Like, oh, you know, oh, Dolph Ziggler needs a chance, and Daniel Bryan needs a chance, and Zack Ryder needs a chance. Where? Okay. Why aren't you putting there was these lot. guys over? Why yeah, are you working with these guys, but you're not putting them over? Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that they did that was wrong on both ends. I remember when they did that Money in the Bank, the one where RVD came back. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, they there was like a, a, a little segment where each person that was in the match came out, and they were all cutting promos. And I remember Punk interrupted Christian and said how much he respected him. I was like, okay, give them a match then. Do Punk yeah. Christian. And they never did. They never did that. Nope. They never did Punk RVD, which I thought would, would have been really interesting because they're would both like hurt, Paul Heyman. Yeah. yeah, they're both Paul Heyman guys, so that match kind of sells itself. Another, probably the weirdest thing, and this, this is kind of like when I was still like in my Orton hate phase, they never did Punk Orton when he was champion, which just was really tacky to me. That just seemed like an obvious match that you would have yeah, think happened, but they never history. did. Right, and it never happened, and so that was kind of like when Orton was kind of like in his hissy fit days, where if you knew he wasn't going over, he would like sandbag or or whatever. So, but uh, to end it on Punk, I I do agree. It, it seemed like the direction was going to be Punk Triple H, 
And um, had that happened, then WrestleMania 30 would have looked like um, it would have been like what Punk, Triple H, uh, Lesnar, Taker, Cena, Wyatt. Yep. Uh, Would they have gone on with Orton and Batista or? I, I don't. The fans were so hot for Brian. I think Here, that here's quitting. what I would have done, and and you're gonna be like John. We're putting you in a nursing home. You're, <laughs> you're obviously senile. Everyone hates the idea of Brian Sheamus. Hates it. However, for the story of Brian, it matters because of the 18 seconds at WrestleMania 28. Here's what I would have done if Punk would have stayed. And I think this would have worked for everybody. Vince would have gone on his dream match, and people would have gotten the ending. You want to be a world champion? You want to be in the title match? Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to take care of the demons in your closet. Okay? There's a guy that has beat you, like, I would have just been like, oh, well, wait a minute, there's another guy who could say he deserves a title match because he beat you in 18 seconds. Sheamus, here's the deal. You beat Sheamus, you're in. And what I do leading up to it, every week on Raw ends the same way. Brian eating a brogue kick. Okay? Brian goes into that match. Now, wait, Sheamus, hold on, hold on now. Sheamus is still a face. Right? You could have. Well, no, Sheamus came back at that rumble. He came back at that rumble. So you could have turned Sheamus. Okay, so are you booking him as a face or a heel? No, I'm booking Sheamus as a heel. He is is with the authority, okay? Okay. Sheamus' job, and we'll we'll give you the winner of Orton Batista, you know, at a later date, but your job is to keep Daniel Bryan out of the title match. Every week, Raw ends with Brian eating a broke kick. Okay? All right? You could even do a tag match where Brian gets pinned from the broke kick. Okay? You go into WrestleMania. Sheamus goes for the broke kick. Brian moves. Locks in the yes lock. Sheamus taps as close to 18 seconds as possible. Brian then goes on to the title match and wins the title. Everybody would have gotten what they wanted. That's the one thing, too, that, you know, everyone bitches about continue, continuality and follow-up, but yet no one wants to ever acknowledge how important Brian was to she- Seamus was to Brian. And I, that needed to be, to be done. I actually feel sorry for, uh, uh, for Seamus. Now, respect. let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. If that would have happened, would you have been okay with that? Yeah, I would have been fine with that. That would have been a okay. story coming full circle. I exactly. Liked that they, I liked how they teased it at uh, Mania 29 in that tag match, uh, on the rated tag match. It was a good tag match mm-hmm. with uh, Team Hell No against Ziggler and Big E. They teased it. I would have been okay with that. Um, okay. I, I'm not, I, I would have had Punk and Triple H be uh, a street fight. It would not have been a match. It would have been a, a, a fight similar to the one Punk had with Jericho at Extreme Rules. Kind of. That's what okay. I would have did. And um, trying to decide what the finish would have been. Um, Punk going over. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how he would have gone over. Uh, Listen, you're not getting Hunter to tap out to go to uh, 
GT, uh, whatever, the Anaconda Vice. So Hunter probably would have eaten a GTS. Yeah. yeah. That would have been fun, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. That, 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 that would have been fine. Yeah, it, it would have been fine. I just think, I think that um, Punk quitting really just kind of, when he left, it, it, it rushed things forward because I remember when he left, that was when they started pushing the shield kind of like its faces. Mm-hmm. And then um, they kind of had to push Brian as well. I think that what happened would have happened anyway, but Punk leaving made them do it that much sooner, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, if Punk ever comes back, like I've kind of gotten to the point where um, I kind of I kind of compare him a little bit to Moses, sort of, kind of like how Moses took his people to the promised land, but unfortunately for him, he just couldn't go because he had already broken the rules, you know, in the Bible and stuff. I feel like Punk, although he did not bring the change that he claimed he could bring, he did open the door for a lot of indie guys mm-hmm. to show up. And so the the change that Punk said that he was going to bring, it did come. It just, just without, when it finally, him. without him. I, so, I think what's going to hurt Punk and we've talked about this before, is he's done the one thing that very few guys in this business have done. And for all the guys that Hunter has gotten to come back, that he's mended the fences between Vince Mm -hmm. and whoever, the problem is Punk burned the bridge with Hunter. And I think that's going to be what... Mm -hmm. I don't... I think that's going to be what eventually holds Punk back unless Punk does a complete 180 and pretty much he would have to tell Hunter, I was wrong. I think Punk is going to be uh, this generation's Brett, this generation's Warrior, this generation's Savage, you know, those guys that left. Who's the guy to bring them back together? That's Ooh, the problem. Right, right. Well, what Hunter, I mean is those Hunter guys Hunter was the guy gone. to bring those. Right, but Hunter was the, was the guy to eventually, over time, bring those guys and Vince together and say, listen, it, it makes sense. Let's, you know, let's mm. put the past in the past and let's move forward. Hunter has done that with Bruno, with Warrior. You know, Savage was kind of already in the works. With Hart, mm. you know, that was kind of already in the works. The problem is with Punk and Hunter – Who's going to be the guy to be like, all right, guys, come on. Let's Probably just... Shane. But Does I don't Shane know have that rapport? I don't... I don't know. All, all I think I know about Shane is, from what I've heard, because Shane is very, he's very mysterious, and so he's the McMahon that you hear the least about in terms of, like, what he's like as a person. The only thing we really know about Shane, I've heard three stories from Shane. I've heard stories from Booker, because, you know, Booker was with Shane when they did the invasion yeah. thing. I've heard stories from Angle, because he worked with Shane, and I've heard stories from, from Kane, you know, because they did their program, mm-hmm. the Ruthless Aggression. All three of them said that Shane is pretty much chill. He's approachable. And he said that every time, like, Vince and Stephanie were, like, in creative differences, Shane would kind of be, like, the voice of reason. Kind yeah, of, I heard like, the opposite were... about Shane with creative. I heard Shane, great guy, terrible mind. Right. That's what I. That's what I've heard about Shane. The only way that, I can see it happening really is like if if Shane does something, because clearly, because clearly NXT is Triple H's baby, and since Stephanie is on Raw, uh, Triple H is going to have a presence there. 
that leaves like a wide gap on SmackDown because like Shane is there and it seems like Triple H doesn't have much of a presence there. Um, so it, obviously this is me talking under the assumption that Punk is to come back within like a year to two years, which I don't think is going to happen. I think that uh, Punk, like I said before, he will be this generation's like warrior in the sense of like you had guys that left and then they came back, and then you had guys that were gone for, like, a long time, and that's what I see Punk. I, I just don't, I don't know who that guy is, though, to... to well, even to, if he did come back, I, I feel like there's really no reason for him to come back because I feel like he's pretty much done what he what he's... Like we said before, he brought the change indirectly. Yeah, but you know uh, what? Say what you will, Punk, Punk Rollins, Punk AJ, you know, hmm. Punk Nakamura, Punk Joe, there's a lot on the table. There, there is. To me, the two but, matches that stood out to me the most, and unfortunately one of them is not going to happen, that was uh, Punk Stone Cold. That goes mm-hmm. back to that really good interaction they had that uh, one time Austin was the guest host when yeah. something else was going on. Yep. Uh, so if you, can't, if you can't do Punk Austin, then the only other match that I would do, because I feel like, and you know, I like them both, so I'm not saying I like more one or the other. I feel like everything Owens brings to the table, he's, he's pretty much the new Punk. Everything mm-hmm. Owens does is what yeah. Punk did. Their look, their style, their demeanor is very, very similar. Yeah, having dude, them both, yeah. yeah, having them both there is just, it's just canceling each other out. So if Punk was to come back tomorrow, the only person that I would see him work with I would like to see him work with Kenta, because I, I think okay. that Kenta needs Over the it. GTS, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that Kenta needs it. He needs a big win, and I think they need to establish that it was his move, and Punk kind of borrowed it from him. Mm-hmm. And and Punk should lose. He yeah. should he should have a match with Kenta, and he should. It'll be a good match, and it'll be a good build. What I would do it like if it was me, like if I was a Booker, it would be very similar to Sami Zayn versus Nakamura, where, like, they're building up Zayn and they're talking about Nakamura, and then Nakamura just shows up and they had a match. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I would build up Kenta and then say CM Punk's coming back and he's going to have a match with you. And Punk would not show up at all in the build. Until you would the mention match. him. Right. You would do videos and vignettes, and then Punk would show up, and then they would have a match, and then Kenta beats him. Uh, and he should beat him with That's the fine. GTS. And then after that, if Punk wants to stay, he can stay. And if he doesn't want to come back, that's that's fine. I feel like that's the most Punk can do. I mean, I see what you're saying. Punk, AJ, Punk, Rollins. Like, yeah, those are going to be great matches. But, like, in terms of, like, making a new star, I feel like that's all he can do right now is yeah. Kenta. Yeah. You know, some, maybe some of the guys, yeah. Yeah, because Rollins, like I said, AJ, the all those is, dudes are good. But even, even forget about a match. Even for, like, a Hall of Fame and let's get, you know, let's get some merchandise rolling again, and, and, you know, let's, you know, even get a DVD about everything that went down, you know, you know, the problem is, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, it's going to be three years this January, I'm surprised that DVD has not come out yet, I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised, the self-destruction of CM Punk. Um, I'm surprised, I, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't it wasn't know. like he. It wasn't like he was doing bad business all the time, like Warrior. I, I don't no. know. I, I don't know. But I, know. I do. I do but think I, of, there's, uh, of, there's there's mm-hmm. money to be made with with you know on other avenues, even if it's not in matches. Mm. You know, there's money to be made. You know, let's get you know, like I said, some merchandise well, we'll see, back we'll out see, there. Clearly, see, clearly, I've, I've heard stories that Vince is still on good terms with them. And, and, and what kind of confuses me is that, some, like, I get the network is just a streaming service, 
What confuses me is several times I've logged on the network and they're streaming like Punk's DVD the documentary. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that really confuses me because I'm like, if Punk is really maybe, like, maybe, and, maybe Vince is holding out that you know maybe eventually we can get it worked out. Right, right, right. And because what I understand, Vince is a very as weird as it is to say something positive about him. I've, I've read that Vince is a very like optimistic person, and like every time he tried to do business with Sting, he would always say, "Well, I know we'll do business someday." It's like Vince is very persistent. It's like yeah, he has I heard this that belief. Really, like, that's the one belief. thing I've always heard Sting say, and Sting even said it like on the Legends with JBL and yeah. even his DVDs that even when things didn't happen, Vince was always good to him, and always you know uh, we'll 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 do it someday. Right. You know, it seems like I, yeah. Vince he seems to think that some way things will always work out, which is, uh, which is, which you know, which is a positive way of thinking of things. So you know, you don't really hear too many folks say anything positive about Vince. So I, I, I can respect that. Um, shit, I had like a train of thought and I and I lost it. Um, you're right, but the fact that they showed the uh, the documentary on the network, this tells me that he's not like in Benoit territory because if he was, they would just remove right. traces of him or try not to. Uh, to, to mention him as much. Shit, I, I had like a real big train of thought and I lost it. Oh, well. Oh, I know what it was. I do think that um, a lot of guys within this past year would have benefited from Punk still being there. Uh, there's a lot of guys that they needed, either they need development or they need like a big win to really like solidify them. When I think about guys that Punk could be working with, I don't know how do you say? I don't know if Punk in his mind would do this though. That's I'm just the being. I, I'm being optimistic. I don't think he would have no, lost I, I to all of them. I think. I think Punk against Rusev would have been good business because it seemed like in the podcast. Punk would have never was, put him over. Punk would have never put him over. The other guy put Rusev ch- over. No, no, not a. Ch- I'm sorry, not a chance in hell. What about what about ch- what about Roman? He lost to Roman. He did he lose lost to Roman. Roman. He lost to Roman on the way up. I don't know if Punk would want to do it with this Roman. What because, about Ambrose? Let, hang on, let's be honest. Let's go back to Roman for a second. You know as well as I do, the entire crowd, no matter who was face, who was heel, let's be honest, would be chanting CM Punk, CM Punk. And if Punk hears that, <laughs> no, 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 I'm being serious. You know, Punk's going to around and be like, why am I, why am I not going over this guy? I don't, I don't know. It was a different if, dynamic when he put over Roman on that. What about what, what about Ambrose? I think he'd lose to Ambrose. Yeah, I think he would too. I think Ambrose and Rollins he would. I think Reigns because of the way Reigns what has Reigns has turned into, I don't know I don't know if he I don't know if he would. I think that uh some guys from a from an in ring standpoint would have you know been who he would from... you know who he would you know who would be the perfect guy for him to put over cuz at this point he would deserve it. Miz. Miz. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, him and Miz were good friends actually. They were good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see him losing to Miz. With where Miz is now, if there's a guy that Punk could he, come in Miz, and put over, Punk Punk is the guy that if Miz beat him, like if Punk was if he was to come back tomorrow, and if Miz beat him, you could use that as an excuse to actually like put him in conversation for like uh, another title shot because he's yeah, like yeah. I beat he's like I beat the former champion that held the belt for 434 yep. days. If that doesn't give me, like, right to be a champion, I don't know what does. Um, I think that uh, Ambrose and Roman, from an in-ring standpoint, would have – I mean, Roman's improved. 
But I think being in the ring with a punk would have helped Roman get better. Yeah. And I think Ambrose especially would have really, because I know he gets criticized for his um for his brawling style. And it's not that Ambrose hasn't had good matches he's had. It's just I've noticed that from a pure in-ring standpoint, like when he's in there. I feel like Ambrose has, you know what Ambrose has become? I feel Ambrose has become Austin in the sense of yeah. you forget he was stunning Steve and was mm-hmm. putting on these amazing matches with Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes and Sting even and Nikita Koloff. And the problem is Vince turned the Stone Cold character into this punch-and-kick guy mm-hmm. that eventually it overtook the guy who could go 38 minutes, you know, and be yeah. ready to give you five more. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm not ready to give up on Ambrose. Yeah, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. With this incarnation of Ambrose, mm. he's become that. Yeah, um, and that's why, like, I'm not giving up on him yet until I see what he can do as a heel. Because mm-hmm. as a heel, you work a different style. Yeah. I just, I just thought that that match of Ziggler was, was it's fucked up the joint. And, yeah. You know, and say, say what you want about Ziggler, he can have a good match with anybody. It was, it was all Dean. Yeah. So if you can't have a good match that's with why, Ziggler, that's like why you got a problem. I don't know if I buy everything Dean said about Lesnar. To be honest right. with you, I think and he's a little notice, complacent. And if you notice, if you notice the end of that podcast when Austin tells him, you know, let me just give you some advice. Don't get comfortable. Remember, you know, keep pushing mm-hmm. this and that. Ambrose gives him this look like, you fucking talking to me? He you does. Know, like, like, his matches are, like, the same. Like, he goes and in there like, and he like, gets dude, beat up. Don't get, don't get cocky. Right. You know, like, his matches are, like, the same. He goes in there. He gets beat up a bit. He doesn't really have, like, any signature moves, like, that he does that builds up to the finish. And then, like, towards the end of the match, he gets thrown into the ropes. He does like the, the little ricochet That's close line, yeah, yeah, and then he and then like usually like someone goes for like a, a like a move like a suplex or a body slam, and then he like gets out of it and hits the dirty deeds, yeah, and like like there's really like no pattern, there's and, no and, setup, yeah, and there's been other guys that have had a brawling style that still can have better matches than he does, so I'm not willing to write him off yet because no, you're not, a heel. No, I'm not saying that, but he reminds yeah. me of Austin in that sense that. Mm-hmm. His style got overtaken by the gimmick, and you forget that, you know, um, you forget that, mm-hmm. he, you know what I'm saying, what he could do, you know. And AJ, and AJ's a pro because he, he, like, he, like, oversells moves that he shouldn't just to make Ambrose look good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when, when Dean, because Dean has one of the weakest, like, suicide dives out there, and then when Dean hits on AJ, AJ fucking does a Shawn Michaels, like, over-the-top Power Ranger yeah. flip, or, like, when Dean was hitting him for a suplex, like, AJ flipped mid-suplex and went through those chairs, so, like, AJ's doing what he can to make yeah. Ambrose look good, and I appreciate AJ. He, he, that's, to me, that's the only similarity that I, I wish people would stop comparing him to Shawn, because they're totally, they're two different wrestlers. Oh, but yeah, they're two different the, yeah, but the only similarity I ever see is like Sean. Sean will fucking sell ice to an Eskimo. AJ is mm-hmm. very similar. He'll sell any move, you yep. know. So I'll, God, I'll give AJ imagine credit Imagine AJ that. selling for Hogan. <laughs> like Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he would sell, like, just one punch. He would just be, like, all over oh in, like, the, the, the 10th row. <laughs> that fiasco. I, I just well, watched that up. the other day. 
what caught my attention was when AJ debuted. Like and to me, like shout out to AJ because like he he really doesn't have to sell. Like I, I I this caught my attention. I was marking out when it happened when AJ debuted. Uh, people forget like number four was Tyler Breeze and Breeze was jobbing. He wasn't doing anything. And then like when Breeze came in there, the first thing he did was the beauty shot. Yeah, the beauty shot. And AJ like fucking did a somersault sell, and I was like, dude, like you didn't have to do that. You could have just fell, but like he sells the move. So AJ, he's the kind of guy like he'll sell. It doesn't doesn't matter where you are in the card, low card, bottom card, mid card, upper. He'll sell. So that's the only. He he said it. He said it. I forget when he said it, but he said it. He said, just because someone's at the bottom of the card today doesn't mean you don't know when you're going to be working with them higher up on the card six months from now. He, yeah. He said that. Uh, I heard that in an interview with him a couple of years ago. Like, never like never work to, to a guy's position because you never know when a company's going to get behind them. Like, I think he was still working for TNA because he said something along the lines like, um, what you call it, like, you you know, all it takes is one set of tapings to rebuild a guy. Right, right, right. I mean, to his credit, he fucking uh, he sold no chin music like that yeah. when he, when Ellsworth yeah. hit him with it. Oh, he so. yeah, he's you know <laughs> the stuff he's done for Ellsworth. But yeah, he he said that. Like I said, he must have still been working for TNA, but he was like, never, never take advantage of where a guy is on because he he's like it all takes is one set of TV tapings and the guy's the main eventer. I'm convinced. He must have still he must have still been working for TNA at that point. With yeah. the way they with the way they tape, you know, that all it takes is one one taping and you know I I'm convinced, man. I'm convinced if uh if Sky Tuhati was to come back, I feel like he would like be the best sale for the worm ever. I feel like if if he hit the worm on AJ oh, AJ would sell it like he was having a stroke probably. <laughs> <laughs> You can see it. You know he would. He would totally yeah. feel like he was having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he would. But all right, we've gone. Wow, three hours and forty three minutes. All right, we'll make the next one shorter. Yep, I'll talk to you next week. All right, later. All right, later, bye.